Uh, so we just had a bit of a chat before the show and we we're talking about, well, one of the things that came up was Hey You, which is a, a coffee or food ordering app that uh, is fairly, fairly popular in Australia. Um, and I was going through some of the menus for local cafes and I came across one that has an Instagram menu. What? That's <laughs> Okay. Go I on. find this incredible. Is is that just coffee that looks particularly nice? Yeah, I think it's a lot of the the shakes that are popular on I guess Instagram. Shakes. You know, like the extravagant ones with with Nutella and chocolate toppings and all these things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um but yeah, like it's crazy that there's an Instagram menu to order from. I'm not sure if I'm still a fan of this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen this before, but I'm fascinated. No, but so, so what you mean is that as, like every single menu item has an image in their Instagram feed? And then if they add new ones, they just take a new picture of it? I guess it's like order this if you want something that looks extravagant that you can post on Instagram yeah. and boast oh! about how cool the coffee is that you're ah, drinking. I thought you meant that they used Instagram to provide a menu. <laughs> oh, wow. No, oh, okay. No, sorry, sorry. Well, I'm not sure what's better. They have, yeah. So, like, they've got, like, subsections here, like breakfast and coffee and cold bevies and fries and things like that. But one of the, the drop-down options is Did you just Instagram say menu. cold bevies? Bevies, yeah. Is that actually a thing they wrote? Or is that you? No, that's what I said. <laughs> Cold beverages. <laughs> Do people Zach speak like just, that? Zach is just trying to, to prove that he is actually Australian. Yeah. People, people are starting to wonder after <laughs> last episode. Yeah, you complain too much about the internet access. Mm, mm. He's not swearing a lot. Is he actually Australian? No, he's <laughs> throwing around words like bevies. Bevies. So beverages, I apologize. Yeah. We're drinking bevies at a footy. <laughs> That is exactly what people do, Kai. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's interesting. Mm, very. Did you order a Instagram uh, smoothie shake with Nutella and bevies? Goodness no. Good goodness no. How no. much? How much is an Instagram uh, uh, beverage? Oh, are they more expensive too? Uh, it looks like they're kind of pricey. I don't know how they compare to other prices. You can get a uh, a piccolo me bomb with coffee, whatever that means. I don't know what that means. That's $4.90. So was like, I assume that's coffee and maybe Nutella in a cup. It doesn't really say. <laughs> but um, but then there's like a, a cookie gato, uh, which is choc chip and Nutella cookie topped with vanilla ice cream, double ristretto, chocolate flakes and crumble for $8.60. <laughs> that seems like fairly oh, standard. It sounds pretty tasty though. Mm. Well, it's, it's, it's a pretty cheap uh pretty cheap to get 100 likes on instagram yeah it's how you buy your way in yeah it's interesting yeah it's it's actually not a bad idea though if if you know a lot of people care about it and just have an instagram section of your menu charge a bit more for people that are willing to pay more for looks and you're good yeah i mean the one i picked here piccolo me it's a it's a chain so there's a few of them around but there's um there are some local cafes that have sort of built their fame and their their customer base on the back of these extravagant desserts, which sort of spread virally through Instagram. And it's amazing how to, like, to sort of see that that be a thing. Um, Interesting. And it's smart, right? You you make things that people want to take photos of and share. Yeah. And then it becomes a case of, oh, well, we have to go there again because that looks really cool. And I want to get one of these things too. Yeah. And then I'm going to share it. And then it's sort of this word of mouth marketing that's like yeah. taking care of itself. Cool. Should we get into our follow-up topics? Sure. Yeah, why don't you kick it off, Kai? All right. I, I heard you have some follow-up about your iMac. Oh, no. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> all right, there, there are multiple things. It's first of all, um, I was lying on the last episode. I said that the ports on the uh, iMac Pro and iMac are identical, apart from the Ethernet being 10 gig instead of the 1 gig on the um, uh, iMac Pro. But that's not true. Um, despite the 2017 iMac having um, Thunderbolt 3 USB-C ports, it's only two, while the iMac Pro has four of them. So there are actually two differences. Two extra USB-C ports and 10 gig Ethernet. Is that worth the extra five grand to you? Um... <laughs> Uh, why is it taking you so long yeah, to answer this question? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the answer was obvious. I mean, I, pl- I played a bit with the iMac Pro today too. Um, I just did a test uh, encode of our of our podcast file just to tell myself, look, it's it, the iMac Pro is not that much faster than the machine I have right in front of me, right? So I did. A, uh, I just benchmarked to encode one of our audio files into MP3. And it was so fast. That that computer is very fast. Um, just in comparison. So at the moment, I have two iMacs here, but uh, the base CPU for the same encode, it took almost 30 seconds and it took uh, just over 10 on the iMac Pro. <sighs> anyway. Um, Your iMac is not much faster than the MacBook I've got in front of me then, but MacBook Pro. Yeah, should say, do you feel me. better now, Kai? <laughs> Your iMac is as bad as the sucks 13 inch <laughs> yeah i was i was disappointed too um that's why and also forecast is meant to be using all the cores of the machine isn't it well they're not that many cores and on the base model imac yeah true yeah so i, I guess it sort of it lines up with pretty much twice as fast yeah 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 a bit oh, well. a bit more than that but yeah i also yeah. i still have two imacs in front of me one one is using one of them at the moment for the recording mm, it's great we should keep it um and uh after after i sorry i if you remember i had I, I bought a new one and then i bought a refurbished one i got a new one and a refurbished one had them both and uh, tried them both out uh kind of liked the new one better just from a display panel thought i decided to keep that one then it started clicking making clicking noises um randomly so i thought all right definitely don't keep that thought i decided to keep the other one then I got a notification from my script thingy that I wrote that the next model up was a fa- uh, was available refurbished. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe I should give it a shot. If I'm lucky, it was it was kind of win win. Either it would come and the the LCD panel would be better. Then I would say, all right, I'm happy to have paid the extra two hundred, two hundred fifty. I don't remember some two hundred forty, I think. Yeah, something between two hundred and three hundred dollars more, but I'd be happy to pay that if I get a better, better five K panel. And as a free bonus, I would also get um, the faster CPU and GPU. Um, so I thought I, it, it's worth the gamble. Um, but now I actually received that one, so that's the next step up. So I, I currently have the three point four gigahertz and three point five gigahertz, the lower one with the um, five seventy uh, GPU, and then the better one with the five seventy five. Um, but the the faster one has one of the weirdest 5K panels I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the one I'm looking at right now, and it's it's just tinting green. Did you call, did you calibrate no, this, this is, one already? No, no, this is the standard. Yeah, yeah. So even like now, it's it's very green. 
but then even when it was calibrated, you sort of got the green parts away, but therefore you had to turn the rest of the screen. Like the rest of it has to be very damp, like really darkened almost, and it didn't look good. And I also noticed that it has some like color shifting, so it doesn't feel like it's evenly colored. This corner is quite green down here. Yeah. Yeah, so the the better one actually has quite a significantly worse uh, LCD panel. So I don't know. I don't know why I struggle so much saving saving money. Um, but I think <laughs> um, now I that made the decision for me that I will just keep the the base configuration iMac with thirty two gig. I mean, it's it's not really base configuration because I I got the five twelve gigabyte SSD and upgraded to thirty two gigabyte of RAM. Um, but the base CPU and base GPU. So I will keep that safety $250 um, and put them into my iMac Pro or Mac Pro fund um, for when when Apple updates either of those two machines. Um, at least that's what I'm telling myself. That's where the money goes to to make it easier to then uh, reason for... Because I, I, I know in, in at next dub or whenever there will be new uh, Macs, I will have to somehow figure out how I convince myself to spend thousands of dollars. I, I realistically don't think that you saving $240 today is going to convince you to buy it. I think you you have different reasons to convince yourself. I think you're just going to buy it. Even if you stick with this computer that's for $240 more, you're going to buy a new computer. Yeah, but I, I'm at least, I already have a deposit now to then go towards that machine. So, yeah, I'm, so then you have to commit, right? <laughs> I get, I get, exactly. I'm already committed, right? It's, it's already At least you're committed. trying to be sensible. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I saved those those few hundred dollars. I, I keep the... I mean, now I, I looked at three iMacs. All of them had vastly different looking... Uh, I mean, vastly as in Kaiser Vero that's really into... Uh, I uh, see a difference. Yeah, but I think I'm particularly picky with my with my uh, LCD panels or display panels in general. So I've seen three iMacs. They all had very, very different uh, panels. And now I keep the one that has... It's probably not quite as good as the first one, but definitely significantly better than, than the third one. And it's not clicking. That's good. And it doesn't make weird clicking noises, which is definitely a benefit because that one sounded slightly broken. I don't know what's going on with that one. So you mentioned you were at the Apple store today. Yes. Did you at all get a chance to look at any of the new Apple Watch bands? Oh, did I? No, I didn't. Oh. Because I went there. And I was like, I'm going to look at this and I'm most likely going to buy it because of multiple reasons I can explain later. Uh, mostly just one reason I can explain later. Uh, and then I asked and the first guy was like, do you mean the red watch band? Like the red sports band? I'm like, no, I'm talking about the like the red sports soap. It came out two days ago and I was really excited. He's like, huh. And then he asked another girl to help me and Steve was like, oh yeah, I know what it is. But the first guy didn't seem to know about it. So I was like, oh. <laughs> That, that's that's annoying uh, and then i had already looked at the shelf so i already knew it wasn't on the shelf so i asked her and she's like oh no we haven't we haven't gotten that yet i was like oh <gasps> really and this was like the no! in the main shopping center in the city they didn't have it and i asked oh did you like did you sell out that quickly like very positive and she's like no no we just didn't get it i'm like really did any other stores get it and then she showed me and it was like literally every other store in the city got it <laughs> like really and she's like yeah we might get them on monday i'm like oh, why is that don't you guys usually get them first because like i said like it's the main store in the city mm -hmm. she's like yeah we do 
like, hmm, well. But didn't right. they even have them on display? No, no, they weren't on display. Uh, oh. Yeah. And then I still ended up testing a watch band, which was just a regular, um, like the regular bl- black um, sports loop, uh, just mm-hmm. because I wanted to test the size. Because I tried explaining this to the guy in the store, and he didn't really seem to understand my problem. But when I changed to a a 38 millimeter watch uh, to the 40 millimeter the casing is bigger right so like it actually sits like two millimeters it's two millimeters bigger in each or one in each direction so that Mm -hmm. means that the closure um, like the holes on the band are slightly different like they sit different it sits it's going to sit different on your wrist because the watch goes out one millimeter each on each side one millimeter on each side and then um, that means that the holes are basically two millimeters further. Like you, you, you if I used to have it on the, in the third hole, that's going to be three, two millimeters bigger if I wear it on the same hole, right? Yeah, it should be slightly, slightly looser. Yeah, given, exactly. Uh, exactly. So I tried to explain this. I, it was mostly just to make small talk. Kai told me it wasn't the perfect small talk to have to someone in an Apple store, which I realized now he didn't really Sounds like the perfect to. Apple store that's, that's small talk. That's what I thought too. Like he should care about this, but yeah, he didn't really see my problem. Uh, but that's basically why I want to have the sports loop because I think at least I can adjust it a bit more and actually make it snug because right now if I have it on a smaller hole, it's like just too tight so it leaves a mark if I wear it like that all days and it doesn't feel that comfortable. Uh, also in the summer, my wristwall is a bit more swollen so it's i can't have it on the third hole then so i have to have it on the fourth which is the middle and then it sticks out weirdly like because the sports band is basically a bit like harder rubber right so you actually see the band sticking out from my wrist so it doesn't look as nice so that's why i wanted this and i thought perfect opportunity to get it because like i've been looking at it for a while i wasn't sure about the color but i always also wanted a product red uh, band before i actually wanted the sports band uh, like two three years ago and i was like this is perfect i'm gonna get this today and then they didn't have it well the good thing about that is them not having it just saved you 80 bucks because it's very nice and you probably would have jumped at it if if it was on display so are you saying that you bought it i didn't only <laughs> because i popped into the store in a bit of a rush on my way to somewhere else just to check it out very quickly uh, i spent about a minute in the store but I will be going back. <laughs> and when I go back, I'll probably be picking up two Apple Watch bands because I've also had, I've been eyeing out the, um, the white Nike one with, uh, loop, like with holes mm-hmm. in it. You know that one? Yep. So, um, but yeah, the red, the red product red looks super amazing. Um, like it's really, it, I think none of the photos I saw on Twitter of it do it justice. Uh, it's a really rich, rich red that actually looks quite nice. It's a bit like the, um, the product red iPhone 10R, which doesn't, which I think looks looks better in person than in photos. Um, it's a little bit like that. I think it do- really does look good uh, in person. It's very, very nice. And as it's a sport loop, it's obviously a very comfortable band. So, yeah, I we'll see how long I last, but uh, I'll probably be picking that up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I, yeah. I saved the, the 80 bucks and put them into my iMac Pro or Mac Pro fund. You keep on telling yourself that. <laughs> So now you're up to 300 bucks. <laughs> I actually had that, I think last week, um, I forgot to eat breakfast. I was like, all right, that's another $4 into my <laughs> Man, no, uh, no saving too small, huh? <laughs> yep. Um, I also saw you, you um, elegantly skip my Roborock Xiaomi relationship topic. 
wasn't me. We're it was Sex. There. Sex brought it was a perfect segue there, and we just rolled with it. <laughs> no, no, it was. You mentioned the the Apple Store. Yeah, we can skip my my thing. No, but the sh- the note here says Roborock shall be relationship, and this sounded very oh, weird uh, to me. Look, I would just like to point out that the Canadian store tells me the bands are sixty nine dollars, not seventy nine. So you've just That's lost ten dollars in that fund without taxes. Oh yeah, you do that thing. <laughs> so what's that come to with taxes? Uh, I think there's probably nine and a half percent tax on on a sports band. Uh, it's, it's more or less the same thing then, because your dollar is slightly more valuable. Oh, so slightly, like four percent more, but still okay. Fair enough. Sorry. All right, let's go into the other topic. See, and another seven dollars of of Apple <laughs> iMac Pro or Mac Pro fund. Gosh. Imagine not having tax included in prices. How do you people live? Uh, pretty well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> it it is. What are you doing? Where is it? What are you looking for? Go I'm down. Looking for the band. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down. De- Whoa! This looks so pink on the website. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it doesn't quite look uh, the same on the on the site as it does in real life. It, in real life, it's really nice. I thought you're in the US store now. Um, okay, I'm not gonna do this. I actually thought it wasn't too bad. It's I, I'm almost used to paying for things while seeing the prices without taxes. I I feel like in the beginning it was really strange because I'm used to know knowing exactly what I'm going to pay, and it did this weird. I don't know if if that aids the American and Canadian consumerism, but now I'm more in a mindset of. I know it's somewhere around 40, but if they tell me 50, I guess that's fine. Yeah, this is how they get you. You don't know. Maybe they're ripping you up because in the end they charge a dollar extra per thing because you didn't calculate it. But it is this thing, right? You're kind of more, ah, whatever. I add $2 of tip, yeah. whatever. No, it's I know, just... like, I know they obviously want to rip you up off on the taxes, but I do agree. Like, I often feel this too. I'm like, oh yeah, this is. $49 so I probably end up paying 50 something and the same with like cafes if I go to a cafe I'm like it's also going to be tax and then I'm going to have to tip so I should probably be happy if I pay less than this yeah but that's the mindset and I don't like that because it's like you don't really get the same like grasp of how much you actually pay and like you can't really get the same grasp of how much things cost in general um, it's annoying. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. The good still. thing is that we pay with card, right? It's not as much of a problem. But I think if you would come here and pay with cash, and you're like one of those people who want to have the cash prepared by the time you get to the checkout, uh, that's not really going to work. You are going to have to stand there a while to calculate how much. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that long. Most things have kind of like nine point five percent. No, but taxes. everything doesn't have the same amount of tax. Yeah, that's that's more the thing. You have to you have to know the tax code quite well. You have to do it different by state and city um it's easy (laughs) but i don't know i feel like i i have a way better understanding now of the kind of coffee shop behavior of americans and canadians than i had before but because i feel like this entire idea of tipping and not having taxes included in your price they go quite well together you're like all right the coffee is i don't know four dollars so I'm probably going to pay somewhere around six fifty. <laughs> it's like Look, you're, it's you're... absolutely bananas, and the fact that you can even start to defend it is amazing. But <laughs> I'm I'm not defending it. I, I still think it's it's a weird system, but I'm I'm used to it now, and I'm not. I don't have this active. I mean, I would still prefer it 
just costing what they what it what they tell you it would cost i would still prefer that but i understand the concept better now and i feel more comfortable with that system now after having lived with it for a while and i do feel like it had a shift while i was very i knew exactly what i was about to pay at a uh, at a register and i knew exactly what Like if I knew I would pay $54 and then it usually ended up being 54. If it was 58, I would be like, did they scan something twice? I would then like question why it's more than expected. And I feel like I'm a lot more casual or relaxed about purchases because I know I'm realistically not going to the mental math. I, I have a ballpark and as long as it's within the realms of, of what I expect, it's fine. But it's definitely a shift. I'm not yeah. saying it's better. But it's just I, I notice a shift in my own behavior in those situations. Yeah, but what I found to be quite frustrating is that I used to, like, in the end of the day, I used to be able to think, like, how much did I spend on food today? Is that reasonable? Yes, no. Because like, I actually, like, sort of have a mental budget on, like, how much coffee I've been drinking, how much I've been eating, like, how much my day cost throughout, like, Just, just because it's nice to remember, like, realize how much money you spend on yourself. But now it's like, because th it was easy because I feel like you see the price when you pick something up or when you look at a menu item and then that's the price it will cost. Whereas now it's like you first had this initial price and then you will end up seeing a different price on the checkout counter, which is the one with taxes. And then you will add your tip on top. So it will be a third price. And it's very difficult for you to actually remember what was the final price. And then in the end of the day, calculate that because it's also not going to be a nice run number anymore it's gonna be something like six eight into six or something and it's not as nice like i i like having that possibility to to mentally like put it all together if i know like oh i only spent like this much money on eating this day then i can maybe also go for like a second coffee like i had pretty cheap lunch i feel worse i feel worse about myself if i knew that i spent like 20 dollars on a lunch or like a lot of money more money than I usually spend on lunch and then I buy another coffee in the in the day so I just feel more comfortable if I can add it up a bit yeah but it's also n no one is talking about prices here with no one's talking about net prices everyone is talking about the prices pre-tax pre-tip yeah um which is also yeah, weird but you're not getting your salary pre-tax pre-tip well you do but then you you take the tax away you're not adding it would be nice money. if you didn't have to pay the tax on your salary yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> your company just took care of that they yeah, paid it on the, top of your salary but it's the thing right your salary is also they tell you how much they pay you and then you take the taxes off it's it's just yeah and then they tell you how much you should pay and then they put taxes on top it's <laughs> it's unfair in both directions but the thing with that is that everyone pays Yeah, different yeah, taxes I, on I their know. salary. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you buy a coffee and I buy a coffee five seconds later, we're paying the same. Well, yeah, not if you're in money. different cities and different states, though. Uh, if In the same coffee shop. Yeah, usually. Un unless well, don't tell me they change it per minute. <laughs> <laughs> Gee. <laughs> How does this... Okay, if you're a kid, like... When you're a kid and you're like 12 and you don't have money or, or your parents give you like 10 bucks because you're going out for the day with some friends and you... That you're down to your last few dollars and you know, you're, you're a 12 year old kid, like every dollar counts. And you walk into a store and you're looking to spend the last four dollars that you have for that day. How do you know what you can buy? Like, you don't have to answer that, but you don't know. You know, that's the thing. You're 12. Math. That's, what's that? <laughs> but it's the thing. That's, that's why. 
that's why North America people are there's so much software engineering here because from from day one you have to do a lot of math to figure out how much you <laughs> have to pay for anything. Uh. People are just trained early and then they become software developers and engineers. It's just a good way of of raising an educated uh, uh, society. <laughs> Yeah, uh, still not a fan. Still not a fan of the system. And I think right. Canada is probably also, um, there are no changes that the minimum wage has to also apply to um, serving staff. What do you mean? Like waiters and those kind of serving staff has service to, workers. Service workers. Yeah, I don't know what you call that. Maybe not. Something like that. Um, they The minimum wage will now also apply to them soon. Oh, it used to not. Yeah, like oh. if you work in a bar, for example, you you could be paid under minimum wage, because the expectation is that tip comes on top. I thought that was only in the U.S. I thought they start like they're starting to take that away in the U.S., but they also I didn't think they have it here. Yeah, yeah. There, I thought they had a minimum wage for everyone. No, no. There's there there are exceptions to the minimum wage in Canada. Oh, and that's okay. that's going away soon. I don't know if that's for all of Canada or BC, um, but that's going away soon. I don't. I wonder if that will have an impact on on that type of at least the tipping part. I don't think so because like even if you go to the US today you're still expected to pay pretty much the same as you were. Like California is starting to add more of a minimum wage for people who work in the service industry. Mm. But you're still expected to pay about the same but- amount. And you also don't really know if they still follow the rule. But there there are also some places, right, in in I think we've seen a couple of places in California and we have seen a couple of places here in, in Vancouver where they explicitly say all menu prices include taxes and uh, there's no need to tip. Um, so I, there's definitely a movement of people that, that kind of don't like the system in th- the way it is and then therefore explicitly say all, my, all our prices include taxes and don't worry about tipping. To kind of to kind of offer an alternative where you don't have to think about those things and where you um, just pay what's actually saying, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I also wonder if people feel like they can afford more because they think of all prices. You know, if you hear an iPad is five ninety nine, sounds a lot better than after after all the taxes. So just get people used to disappointment. Like no, that's just, not... that's just sad, and you end up paying it. But I like, wonder oh. if mental, you know, even like even the. Five ninety nine. The ninety nine is already chosen explicitly for you to to make it sound like it's cheaper. It's not actually. I mean, it is actually one dollar cheaper, but it's not. You know, it's it's not that you can afford it at five ninety nine, but you can afford it at six hundred. So there is a lot of those kind of mental barriers. I wonder if if people in North America tend to spend more money on on things they might not really be able to afford because of this structure. And kind of therefore uh, lead more to this kind of consumerism um, than other places. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting challenge. Yeah, I, I understand why there are differences, but I still don't really agree with it. Yeah, I think it is a lot I easier to know things I, up front, and it is yeah. also nice to know that the staff in the in the shop or wherever you are are getting paid properly and don't rely on your tips. Yeah. Um, and if the if the business owner is struggling to pay the staff, then they can up the prices. <laughs> you know, sort of a fair exchange there. Yeah, they I ask don't for think it up front instead of relying on tips. I think in general, I don't think anyone really likes this. Uh, I, I've never talked to anyone that said I really love tipping and paying taxes after 
after a... <laughs> no you don't talk to people who are just I'm sure there's somebody evil. out there but i mean even even if you're if you're working right having a reliable income is probably better than having a fluctuating income based on how much people decide to yeah, tip you yeah but it's the same i mean it's pro- no it's probably not the same but like some con- some uh, stores get like in some stores people get commission and then people feel more incentivized to do a good job and they feel like they get rewarded i mean i haven't worked on commission but i think those people would feel more rewarded for doing their job good because they know that they actually get some money extra money out of this and an extra reward might be the same argument but it's different right commission is also like i've i've seen a case recently where um a mobile phone store um tricked people into when they wanted their SIM card replaced, they tricked them into signing up for a new contract just because they wanted to get the commission. So the people didn't understand that they actually signed up for a new new contract oh, with a SIM horrible. card. And then they called the, the telcos and said, uh, I got a new bill. I just want a new SIM card. And then it turned out that they signed all the paperwork to sign up for a new 24-month contract. And then they can't back out That's of it anymore. That's why you should always read your contracts, people. Uh, uh, yep. But, you know, those kind of things. Technically, they, they made a good amount of income on commission. I don't think it encourages necessarily better work. I think it does encourage more sales. Yeah, potentially, yeah. And I feel like tip doesn't have that problem. I don't think people, you know, there's there's no nothing in tipping, in the tipping culture that leads to to a downside for you as a consumer. You know, you, no, you it's it's rarely that you go to a cafe and you 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 think I wish people would be less friendly today to me. You know, that's usually not a thing where you think uh, if I wouldn't if we wouldn't have tipping and people would be grumpy if they're grumpy without any penalty for like in income. I don't think there's ever a benefit for you as a consumer. So I feel like those things. Uh, kind of are different. Does open a whole other can of worms, though, and I mean it is very. It is very easy to look upon that situation with a cushy job that isn't relying on tips and say, oh, yes, people should always perform at work. But then, you know, everyone has bad days. And yeah, yeah. then to be like, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I, if I'm a little bit more grumpy at work one particular day, and obviously I try not to be, but if I am, I'm not punished financially for it. Um, <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I would, would be way happier that way. <laughs> maybe I should be, but I'm not. And so it's easy to sort of you know to say that that should be thing but yeah you're not really in a performance uh payment type situation anyway even if yes exactly i spend most of the day not talking to people but um, but even even if you if you spend an entire day writing buggy code you don't have a financial punishment in that either there's just that's true i just will hate myself for the rest of the day (laughs) for you it's it's very binary you can even either screw up so badly that they will never pay you again because they don't want you back or they keep paying you the same um but i mean there are like for a cafe is very different they want every day like having having good customer service is very essential to to a cafe's operation and I know, I, but you do, are also then punishing, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, low-income earners, which yeah can feel a bit unfair. Yeah, yeah. But and you I would mean, just hope that you hire people who are willing to put in their best every day, anyway. And I know that that doesn't always work, but yeah, you know, you kind of hope that a reward punishment system isn't necessary, and that people are mature enough to. 
do their best work. Yes, ideally. Ideally, I 100% agree. Ideally. I I know it doesn't work like that, but that is is the hope. But just from experience here, I would say people on average are are friendlier and more attentive um, when you're when you're dining out or when you go to oh, cafes yeah. than yeah than, I don't doubt that than in Australia just because yeah. it, it makes sense right if mm-hmm. if you do have to if you do expect to get paid better if if you're attentive you just do that because <laughs> you know you're you're not going to work to to spend some time away from home because. You don't want to be home all day. You usually go to work because you want to have an income. And then anything that can improve that income, you're probably optimizing for that. So I do think it has a beneficial outcome for the consumer or for the customer. But I still ideally would also want to have a place where you don't need that for. Anyway, you'll see. When you're here, you'll see. (laughs) Oh, we derailed a little bit. I, I had a question, Zach. What is what is your backup situation at the moment? My backup situation at the moment is interesting. Uh-oh. My backup situation is usually uh, a local backup, like a time machine or something, okay. uh, stored in my house. And then an off-site, like online backup, uh, like Crash Plan or Backblaze. And at the moment, I'm using Backblaze. Okay. Um, then generally for... If I'm in the middle of something that I feel is super important, I will often like archive that folder or zip that folder and say upload to Dropbox or something, just have another layer. Okay. I had I had sweaty palms there for a second when you said it's interesting. I was like, uh oh, Zach says I don't believe in backups and I'm just having it on a, uh, uh, my second computer. I, I, but I, I also <laughs> carry with I me. Bought I store a things use- in my head. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were saying something like I have. I bought a super drive and I burned CDs with all my important information. <laughs> I just use one password, like uh, the same password for everything, and yeah. I can access it. No, but you don't. No, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Then there's yeah. So there's that. If it's a, a, a code related software project, then it's usually also hosted on GitHub. So that's another backup. Uh, I have all my my important stuff in in multiple places, but at a bare minimum, it's usually Time Machine and Backblaze. Uh, but the reason I say that it's interesting at the moment is because I actually haven't done a time machine backup in over a month and I am getting a little bit worried, but, um, it, because it actually isn't backing up. Like I, I left the time machine drive plugged into my Mac, like for like eight hours yesterday and it was still preparing backup eight hours later. Oh, interesting. Um, so something's up there. I need to either just leave it plugged in one day when I'm at work or leave it in for like half the week, uh, or work out what's going on and yeah but yeah apart from that i've had that too with um time machine once that it just gets mm-hmm. or was just stalling mm-hmm. um is the hard drive okay though it should be yeah can get data off okay. of it so I, I it's probably time to update that drive anyway but um, but you do have the offline backup or sorry the online backup going on Right, yeah. Daily. And then for every, for things like photos as well, which are, you know, both backed up in Time Machine and Backblaze, there's also the fact that it's in iCloud Photos as well. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's many, many copies of all of my important data 
Uh, all right. So I'm not yeah. particularly worried. I, I'm pretty happy with my backup solutions for the moment. Yeah, that sounds pretty all right. Why Why did you decide to go with Backblaze? Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and <laughs> back in those days, Backblaze. No, truly, like, truly podcast ads. Uh, look, maybe I'm just a, a, a poor soccer consumer, but um, <laughs> they work. <laughs> okay. So that was why. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So for us, or for me, um, I used to use Crash Plan back when they had individual plans. Um, and then when that went away, I for a while used Arc. Have you heard of Arc? Yep. Yeah. So it's um, I, I used Arc for a while and uh, backed that up to where did I back that up to? Ah, Amazon Drive. Uh, because oh, Amazon okay. Drive for a while had um, unlimited storage. Yeah, do this, they don't have that anymore? No, I think a lot of people started using it for backup. Well, who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> and then Amazon realized, right, unlimited is a bit annoying. That's that's quite a lot. <laughs> uh, unlimited is a large number. Um, so people just ch- got terabytes of terabytes of data up there. So for me, at the time when it was... Um, uh, unlimited storage. I also just created one one Amazon Drive account, and I backed up all of my computers on there. Uh, my entire family. I think Marlon, you backed up. You backed up your family. <laughs> yep, backup Whoa. family just in case. Um, no, I got so got that's my... your top secret super project that you weren't meant to mention. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get my my mother's uh, two two computers to back up to there, and my sister. Um, Who's notoriously horrible at backups? I, I installed Arc and backed that up to Amazon Drive because it was just easy, right? You, I, I don't even remember what it was. It was like sixty or seventy dollars a year uh, for unlimited storage, and I mean Amazon has quite a good server farm, so backups were really fast. I usually max out um, my upload bandwidth to Am- Amazon, and Arc was just a one one time payment. I think it was fifty bucks. So for for fifty bucks once, and then seventy dollars a year for for at least the two years where they had it unlimited, I could basically back up. Um, I don't know; it was probably ten computers, so that was a pretty good set situation. But now Amazon um, will no longer offer the uh, unlimited uh, unlimited storage, so it's kind of getting got expensive. And then I started looking for alternatives. Um, so what? Is, what's your conclusion? What are you thinking? Is that where PayCloud comes into it? Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at the moment. Um, so I used to have used to use Dropbox, right, for for kind of just to sync stuff, and then had the the Arc thing as a backup. And I kind of liked having them in two different places because if one or the other, I mean, even even with those kind of cloud things, right? Uh, let's say Amazon would realize, hey, we don't actually want to offer unlimited storage. We kick you off the system and or lock your account. You're kind of screwed. So I I, I do use pCloud at the moment for the sync service. And I also do have a backup that goes there, but I'm not a, a huge fan of having so many things in pCloud only. Just because in case something goes wrong, I like let's say they're saying, hey, you use too much data. We block your account and throw you out. Um, I I lose access to all the files that are synced and my online backup, and I would only have the one backup left. And I don't know how they would kick you out, right? If they would kick you out and delete all your sync files, 
just the way sync works would also mean uh, all the data on my computer would first erase itself. <laughs> um, so I, I thought I probably have to find something else. So over the last week, I've played with the duplicacy. duplicacy? Yeah, that's the name. Yeah, uh, it's like a command line app. They also have a, a graphical user interface and a beta web interface. Yeah, but they don't actually have any backup storage, right? You need, still need to integrate that with your own cloud solution. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm now having multiple so uh, destinations for that. So I'm I'm running one backup to pcloud and... Oh, so you're using the same... Oh, what is it called? We just said the name. Duplicacy. So you're using duplicacy to backup to multiple... That's clouds. right. Oh. So I'm now sending one backup to pcloud and I'm planning on... And one is actually still going to the Amazon uh, storage, but I will probably replace that with uh, Google Drive at some point. So I'm planning on uh, sending up for the Google uh, G Suite uh, $10 a month account because that gets you one terabyte. Apparently at the moment it's not actually met metered, so you get unlimited storage on Google Drive. So I will use that as a second uh, destination. So then I would have uh, two offsite backups and one in the time machine that is connected to, to Mac Mini. And that's a plan at the moment. And duplicacy is pretty interesting. Um, it's probably from from the user interface, it's it's pretty average. Um, at least the the uh, air quotes native one. I think it's some type of Java UI type thing. Uh, it's it's not very. It doesn't feel very Macy, um, but it's good enough. And the entire backup engine is really good, really good. So they do all the deduplication. They do incremental backups. They have full snapshots, so you can restore an entire thing. So just from the from the kind of um, uh, backup engine, it's it's really really fast, really um, uh, efficient. It can upload with multiple threads. So if if you have a um, backup destination that might just limit um, your speed, I I just crank it up to eight threads and then get the full full uh, speed um, out of my uploads. Um, so so far I've been really happy, and um, they now added a beta um, web interface to the uh, for duplicacy and that one looks really promising too because that makes it a bit less I mean the command line interface is nice and for people that feel comfortable using command line to uh, to to manage their backups I think it's fine and you use uh, kind of have to use your your system schedulers to to make them run on whatever schedule but i can imagine a lot of people not really being super excited about doing that so they're working on a web interface to make like all the scheduling and those kind of things a bit nicer and then in return also to make restoring from from your backup nicer so i kind of like that that kind of gives me the more flexibility of deciding where exactly i want to back up to i i can have multiple computers i mean backplay seems seems all right but i'm not i i want to back up to computers and then i feel like five it's five US um, per um, five US per per machine, and if I have two two computers, I don't want to have another service that I pay ten dollars a month for. Yeah, that's fair enough. So in my case, I am only backing up one machine. If I was wanting to do more, then I probably wouldn't be using uh, Backblaze. But I have there are sort of ways around that if you're using two machines. So I did go through 
uh, oh man, late high school days where I had a high school Mac and a a personal Mac, and I was backing up the personal Mac. You get Macs in high school, like personal Macs. Yeah, we got um, there was a government program that was introduced <laughs> uh, to to encourage better education i don't know they gave they, they went there was, a, it was only for a few years it was a labor government thing so anyway i don't know they, they what they did well i don't know it, what it they didn't did. work no, but i got a no. computer so I exactly happy. i got a mac out of it and i started doing ios development because of this computer yeah. that, that school gave us so well, i think it worked and you're out you're saying right it didn't work out that sounds like it worked out quite all right oh worked out personally but well it depends on what the government wanted him to do right <laughs> if he should have studied more english maybe it didn't work out yeah. <laughs> yeah, if if the goal was to get me to pay attention in class, mm, didn't work. If the goal <laughs> was to get me to publish an app on the App Store, sure, it worked. I, I um, think that for for Australia, there's, they probably made the the amount of taxes you paid on your income since they probably benefited from from this program at least for you, <laughs> for one person. Well. <laughs> I sure. Mean, yeah. <laughs> gotta gotta take what you get. No, yep. Okay. So case study of one. This this program was successful. Um, but what I used to do was sync use Google Drive to sync uh like school files and uh, to my personal Mac and then just back up the personal Mac, which would include mm, okay, the backup yeah. of the Google Drive folder. So that worked out quite well. Yeah. But it's it's obviously okay if you're not using if you're not doing too much with like heavy media content stuff but yeah yeah, if you've got two computers with like hundreds of gigabytes of video files or whatever on each then then it's a bit more problematic yeah yeah and then um the pcloud also has um like an automatic backup function for other cloud storage providers so you can also i consider to potentially backup to Google, google drive to google storage and then um just use pcloud to to I don't know what the standard interval is, but like once a week or once a month to automatically uh, mirror everything that's on Google uh, on Google Drive. So that's another option. But I kind of like the idea of being more in charge of being like owning or paying for or, or uh, the the backup utility and then deciding where where the uh, destination of that backup should go because that makes it a bit more flexible to move around i can i i know i know where it is i can make my own decisions around that it definitely means you have to make your own decisions around it but i kind of like being a bit more hands-on in the decision of that yeah that's fair enough cool how about you Mel? mine is not much more exciting so um like i have also recently since we spoke about p cloud uh, i use p cloud drive for certain things that I want to get synced across and I'm also using uh, iCloud um, I'm trying to move away from Dropbox I try to focus on having things a bit more gathered in like basically iCloud and pCloud but then I also started uh, after we spoke about pCloud I decided to go with um, pCloud backups as well so I'm using man what was the name of the program we said like a minute ago Duplicacy. Yes. So I'm using Duplicacy as an interface to back up automatically to uh, pCloud every day, I think every third or four hour. Um, and then I also back up all of my uh, like synced data. So everything that I have in iCloud is backed up as well. Um, but then I started feeling like maybe, like Kai said, like what if something would happen to pCloud? I wanted to have an extra backup. I do have an extra uh, time machine backup at home, also integrating with the Mac Mini. But then I felt like I wanted to have, just to be sure, I wanted to try something more out um, cloud ba- cloud-based. So I actually started using the thing that Kai mentioned, Arc, but I using Arc Cloud. So it's basically 
the cloud storage that Arc provides themselves. So I'm testing that out at the moment uh, to see how I like it, testing to back that up automatically. And so far it works pretty well. Like I like having multiple backups just because you can never get too many backups. Um, at the moment I'm doing, like I have a lot of important like documents that I need to um, keep track of. So uh, I figure it's best to have it on multiple places just to make sure that I'm not losing those things. Um, yeah. So that's it. I will see if I stay with Arc or if I end up only using um, PCloud or if I go with uh, go, uh, what's it called Google Drive or something. Maybe it's something that Kai and I can share together. So we'll see. Yeah, the Arc is kind of similar to to Backblaze. It's uh, a native app. It actually behaves like a native Mac app, which is nice. Um, but their pricing model is, I think, it's six dollars per user rather than six dollars per computer um so if if you have more than more than one computer it's already kind of worth it um i do think though that it's not technically unlimited storage i think they cap it at a terabyte for the six dollars a month um but i do the the standard thing that most of the cloud backup uh, services do that they purge some of the older data so if it's older than i don't know uh, three months you only have snapshots every every day instead of every hour or something like that so they're kind of doing some thinning of the backups um by themselves so you should um get quite a lot of uh, use out of um the terabyte so even if you have two or three computers yeah and i think realistically like if something is three weeks old i don't need to have multiple backups throughout the same day i'm happy to just have one uh yeah one one backup of it so i think it makes sense yeah, definitely. Um, I should point out with uh, with Backblaze, one of their nice features is that they'll they'll back up external hard drives as well as part of the uh, unlimited storage. And I, I don't use this feature at the moment, but I've been thinking about it a bit lately because uh, it turns out doing a weekly podcast recording and storing those files uh, uses a lot of, of space on one's drive. <laughs> and so I'm probably going to have to shortly work out a way or not work out a way, but shortly move everything off my main uh, disk on my main Mac and onto an external drive. And it would be nice to to still be able to keep the the backups of those uh, somewhere in the cloud. Um, so that that feature is another one that I was uh, I'm impressed by. I don't know if Arc probably does something similar, yeah, um, does. but I think it's it's pretty neat to be able to include uh, external drives as well. Why wouldn't you want to go cloud only for our podcast files? Oh, it's still nice to have a local copy. It's less about needing them and more about just keeping the the files around. I mean, the interesting thing about a podcast is that really you only need the the 50 megabyte audio file that you spit out at the end. You don't really need to keep the raw audio or the, the logic file. Um, but it, Unless you want to do a clip show later on. Potentially, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I am, I am trying to keep as much around as I can, uh, but eventually it all just gets too big to to store yeah uh, but yeah we do have everything in in p cloud um like all the raw stuff all the all the logic files so they are they do exist out there somewhere um but while it's still practical uh it'd be nice to have local copies as well i think mm. yeah the nice thing is also if you have a backup solution that has any deduplication that just means that if you have the raw audio file and you have a logic file the logic file is only like 100 kilobytes in size because most of the size of a logic file is the audio files that you already mm. have yep. um so uh if you if you upload things to something like 
pCloud, it won't actually count into your storage multiple times unless oh, okay. unless you zip it. So if you use their clients, it will automatically dedupe them. Cool. Um, and dedupe. Dedupe. Because that's how I've been keeping the the raw audio just from from what I put in the logic. So I'm keeping the logic file around, which uh, we bundle with the audio files. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Cool. So if you yeah, so I, I would assume most of the uh, backup solutions do that anyway. To to uh, even if you have to file it twice, to not actually have two instances of the identical file on on their disk. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. So uh, I my plan is to not have physical or, or on-site backups for the audio files as you said most most of the times we record the podcast uh edit the podcast and then it's kind of done and if if every all the cloud providers fall over and we lose all the all the um raw files i feel like that is something i'm willing to take the risk on while um for for like my own pictures or something like that, I probably wouldn't because they're not edited and done. You kind of want to look at them, right? But for the podcast, I feel like, I mean, I I, I looked at PCloud. I think they have um, five backups of all their files, so that's kind of how they're storing it. I think it's all right to to take the risk on uh, PCloud losing their five, five five backups of our files, just because realistically, will we ever use the uh, any of the raw files again? I mean, I, I no, also I don't feel, think so. I, I feel bad so. about throwing them away. I, I also want to archive them somewhere for I don't know what reason yet. I guess that's more the digital hoarding. It will be part of the SoCast Museum, the digital <laughs> museum. It's like, look how many files they had. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so I definitely want to keep them for for I don't know what reason yet, but I um, I'm happy with them to just live in one of the storage, like cloud storage providers. And if if we have anything where I don't know if we drop them into Google Drive and then pCloud syncs them over and we have them in two, I think I'd be more than happy with that. Yeah, no, fair enough. But I appreciate your extra effort of of putting them on a on a local hard drive. That's Hasn't happened yet. It will happen. <laughs> I need I need to buy some more. I haven't bought uh, external storage in probably like six years, maybe. Like it's been a long time. Um, so I should probably modernize modernize that. What are you getting SSD or do you want to <sighs> stay with hard drives? For yeah, it's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, the the Samsung T5 is pretty nice. Is it a solid state? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... Do I want to splurge and have fast backups? Yes. So, I probably will. But, um, <laughs> well, that was quick. <laughs> um, yeah. But that might just mean that I uh, toss up the idea for a, a few more weeks. And then... Yeah. I, I think the T5 is pretty good. It's, it's also not too expensive. They also have a T... What's the new one called? Samsung T. Wait, let me let me check what the new one is called. Oh, okay. So it seems to be like between two hundred and fifty and three hundred dollars to get a one terabyte external drive. That's not too bad. And I could use that as like partition it and do half as a time machine drive and half as a, an external storage drive, which would be reasonable. There you go. Yeah, you're good at selling these things on the show. Hey. <laughs> 
How much did you say it is for a terabyte? Well, it's it seems to be 200 US, so it'd probably be somewhere between 250 and 300 Australian. Yeah, here it's 250 Canadian for the okay, terabyte yeah. one. So it's probably a very similar price then uh, in in Australia. Because actually I was looking at that the other, do- the other day and our dollars are very similar. Before tax though, right? Yeah, but it's it's just, it's a pretty, pretty decent drive. You have all the benefits of an SSD, mm-hmm. as in if you shake them, they're still working, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, comes with USB-C, so it will work with your uh, MacBook, which is nice. Ah, okay, cool. Or your iPad, if you happen to get one of the new iPads. So you can connect it and do nothing with the SSD whatsoever. <laughs> cool. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking mm. of iPads, when we were in the Apple store today, I took one of the cases off. Mm-hmm. And it was super easy. I'm sorry, but I don't understand why people struggle with this. Hercules over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it was almost hard not to take it off. <laughs> okay, interesting. interesting uh, but what I'm thinking that. is that for like in our Apple store, they had attached the, I think it's like part of the alarm system, you know, this metal thing that they had to attach. Uh, yeah. So they attached yeah. that to the bottom mm-hmm. of the computer. No, so, oh, it's not a computer, it's an iPad. Um, they attached it to the bottom of the iPad, um, which meant that mm-hmm. the casing, the case wasn't actually attached to the bottom of the iPad. But either. I think they're not like, actually this... attaching to the bottom, right? Because the bottom is the part that folds away for you. Then That's to... true. So how was it in your store, Zach? Was it like the whole case actually covered it back or did they also have this, uh, like alarm in between or the, like the metal? I think it all covered the back. I could be wrong. I didn't, uh, I didn't actually pay attention to where the alarm okay. tag was. Um, but yeah, because I was thinking, I was thinking like maybe that's why it was so easy because the whole thing wasn't on. But I just picked it off. But I saw multiple people in the store that while playing with the thing and having it, you know how you have those kind of ridges in the bottom for the two two angles. Yeah. So in those, it's, mm-hmm. it was sticking really. Yeah, really that was hard to pick it up. Yeah. So that was super secure. But I saw multiple people in the store with the back part actually. Uh, f- almost fell over or was only like leaning towards the iPad because the magnets of the back part actually got loose. Okay. And it was only the ridge and the kind of uh, small contact to the iPad, uh, to the case that actually kept it upright. Interesting. Um, but I thought the back, I don't know, maybe, maybe our, I don't know, magnets are weak in Canada. I don't know. But it was, uh, yeah, I felt like the back was super, super light to get off. Multiple iPads. I mean, we tried like two or three, both the, um, the large one and the 11 inch, and all of them yep. were really easy to take off. That's interesting. Yeah. Was it for you? Did, would you say the ridges were significantly um, stronger than the uh, the back, or were they about the same? Uh, probably is pretty similar all across. Really? But I don't know. I, I could be wrong. This was a week ago, but yeah, it, it kind of just I just remember it being kind of tricky to take mm. off. Mm. It's weird. I think once you sort of detach a few and it, it, the case shifts a little bit, then it's okay. But it's sort of getting that initial separation that uh, that's a little bit tricky. Well, maybe it was because it wasn't older, like, or it's been sitting around for a while, so many people pulled it apart. I don't know. That would be quite a bad sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't take your iPad out of the case. <laughs> it weakens. Yeah. We also had a look at the MacBook Air. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think? Um, it feels heavier than I expected it to be. Because the 12-inch yeah, yeah. was standing right next to it, and in comparison, mm-hmm. it's quite heavy. But still yeah. not heavy for being a computer. Yeah, it, it felt like a... Overall, I felt like it was a nice MacBook. Like, it was... 
Uh, I don't think a lot changed since we talked last time. I just feel like it seems like a really solid build. I didn't really notice um, that the displays worse compared to the others, but I mean, I might have only been in that specific situation, but uh, I didn't notice that it was significantly less bright, but I also didn't pay attention. What am I talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, there was an iMac Pro there. You were too distracted. Yeah, I was, I was definitely distracted. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was a nice, nice Mac. It's still expensive, so it's hard to say it's like the, the default recommendation just based on price. Um, it's still pricey, but I do think it does seem solid and sturdy and like a nice, nice machine. Um, it's it's difficult to, to see that next to the MacBook because the... The higher spec MacBook Air has the same price as the entry level MacBook. It's a bit uh, interesting uh, the lineup there in the in the low end. That's still confusing. I that kind of just reinforced my belief that uh, the MacBook might go ARM uh, because I feel like then we have a clearer separation there again. Just because that would mean potentially longer battery life it makes sense with not having a fan and kind of. You, you have different compromises for having more portability. That makes sense to me. But at the moment, I feel like those two machines, very similar looking, very similar feeling, very similarly priced. So unlike last week where I hadn't done homework and checked out the MacBook Air, I have this week. That's, it's kind of obvious. But um, one thing that I, I hadn't realized, and this is just me, I guess, being dumb, <laughs> that it's what? tapered design. Oh, no. Like that didn't register Same. in 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 my mind that this was a ta- like Wait, I just the MacBook or the MacBook Air the MacBook Air oh yeah oh yeah the MacBook's tapered yeah design. I didn't realize the um, MacBook was tapered design I knew that the Air was oh so I went there okay. and then I looked at the regular MacBook I was like oh this must be the, the mm. it's like I guess this is the new Air because it's tapered <laughs> and then I was like yeah Kai was like no this is the one and then I looked and it didn't feel as mm. uh, like as strongly do you say that as strongly tapered. Tapered. Tapered? Yeah. yeah okay. uh, like, it almost felt like... It felt like the thickest part on the air was thicker than the... No, sorry. The thinnest part on the air was uh, thicker than the thinnest part on the MacBook. So, I was surprised about oh, okay. that. okay. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because the MacBook is, is tapered, but it's still very thin, whereas the air gets quite thick at the back point there. Mm. And it reminded me how much I actually really like the, um, the non-tapered design of the current like 13 and 15 inch MacBook Pros. Mm. They're just nice flat pieces of uh, aluminium that do their job. You almost said aluminium. I almost did. What am I becoming? That's all all the time we have for today. Goal achieved. (laughs) Just say bevel again and you will be fine. Bevel? Bevy. Mm. Bevy. Um, Yeah, I was was surprised how similar the two machines look next to each other. I, I I don't know why I didn't realize that the MacBook was tapered. Uh, I feel like that made the the MacBook design way more obvious. Now in hindsight, it's just a slightly larger case of the MacBook. What is the slightly larger? The MacBook Air is just uh, like a 13 inch version of the 12 inch MacBook. Yeah, essentially with a fan. Well, wasn't the 13 wasn't the 12 inch MacBook? inspired by the old air i think that's more the correlation i guess yeah so. but if if i would have like now if you look at it you could have pretty accurately predicted what the macbook air would look like if you actually paid attention to the macbook yeah but i think that was quite like if you that's that's something you also can get from looking at the old air design it was also tempered and 
quite similar. It makes sense, right? So I would say this design is mm. taken from the old Air to the MacBook and then also adapted to the new Air. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's all me, it's all coming from the Air, right? It, mine is not really a history lesson. Of course, uh, the MacBook was the first uh, wedge-shaped computer that Apple made, at least the first one I can think of. Um, but that's not really my point. My point is just how similar, like the MacBook is really similar looking to the new MacBook Air. And I didn't realize that the MacBook... Do we count the original iMac as a wedge-shaped computer? <laughs> just out of curiosity. Sorry. The original iMac, was it wedge-shaped? It, that's what I'm asking you. It kind of was, but it's also an iMac, so... I don't know if I would offend anyone saying... Oh. I, I guess so. It's a pretty big wedge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, most CRTs were kind of wedgy, it, it right? Tapers. <laughs> it has a taper. It doesn't make it particularly mm-hmm. thin anywhere, but yeah, I guess technically it was a, wedge, <laughs> a tapered wedge. I don't know. Just had to throw that out there. Like, strictly geometrically speaking, it was probably a wedge-shaped computer, yeah. yeah. Strictly geometrically speaking, um, you're right, Zach. <laughs> yeah, but my point is more... Uh, I didn't realize that the MacBook was was a wedge, uh, just because the MacBook was never a computer that made any sense for me. Um, so I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. And then, uh, yeah, turns out uh, MacBook Air kind of seems to be a very very similar casing, just in in thirteen point three inch. All right, should we move away away from wedges and talk about emojis? Apparently, sure. So I brought this up last week and we mentioned that there had been no change to the least used emoji in, I think it was like 111 days at that point that we recorded. And of course, as is always the case with these things, we record, we publish, and then things change. So since our last recording, the least used emoji has actually changed 17 times. I went in and counted this morning. And so I saw you write in this, and I'm looking at the screenshot, but did it change 17 times? It changed 17 times, and it it's going between uh, the input symbol for Latin capital letters and the aerial tramway emoji, which I believe was the original least used emoji when we started talking about this topic all those months ago. Um, and it seems to be changing sometimes on an hourly basis. Um but it's, it's definitely changing a few times a day at the moment. So it's exciting. I've been seeing these tweets come and go as the least used emoji bot tweets about, well, the least used emoji. Um, and honestly, I don't know if my heart can take it anymore. It's very, it's a very dramatic and exciting process to see this change constantly. Well, and there we have people um, saying that the, the tech season is over. <laughs> Breaking news on, on SoCast. The least used emoji bot is saving us. So as we record... The aerial tramway has been the least used emoji for about four hours. Well, skiing season starts soon, so it will it will get back up. There you go. Um, there's another follow no another mini topic someone added here, and I don't know what it <laughs> means. Um, is this yours, Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I don't remember. Was it? It was either you, Zach, or some other podcast where someone was annoyed that if you're in Do Not Just Am I a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can be whatever you want, Zach. <laughs> I mean, podcast is one of the main interfaces for me to communicate with you, so I guess, <laughs> yes, you're a podcast. Fair call. Um, mm-hmm. But someone, you or someone else, said that they're annoyed about the 
that do not disturb is const- annoyed about something definitely <laughs> me <laughs> that do not disturb is always on the home screen while you're in do not disturb was that you yep uh probably i've complained about this a lot i don't remember if it was on the show or not yep. uh you can you can just swipe and dismiss the the notification it's just a regular notification yeah sure that lasts for all of about 10 minutes oh, does it come back it, it absolutely comes back yeah what why yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a bug in the iOS 12 betas and I was constantly dismissing the thing and it came back and I'm like, okay, this is beta season. Like, that's fine. Uh, and then the public release came and went and it's still the case in uh, iOS 12.1. Really? So, yep. Despite uh, like acknowledging that notification's existence and then clearing that notification, Apple will still decide that it's more important to show you this, this spanner. Okay. I mean, it doesn't really bother mm-hmm. me at all, the, the banner over there. I mean, the idea for me is kind of to... I, I, I kind of like to know that I'm in Do Not Disturb, and therefore that's the only notification I see. I don't mind that at all. But it shows the little the little moon in the menu bar, on the status yeah, bar. Yeah, but it's it's like the need. place where you would usually see all your notifications. Instead, you see the one that's saying no notifications for you now. But Do Not Disturb shouldn't be hiding notifications. All it should be doing is stopping your phone from lighting up when you get one. Oh, whew. I don't know. I feel like it's less disturbing if I also don't have notifications there. But it, but it still shows them to you, even if your phone's on Do Not Disturb. Um, Wait a second. It behaves a little bit differently when you combine it with downtime. Yeah, so yeah if you have that, downtime. that's what I have. So if you've got yeah. Do Not Disturb and downtime scheduled at the same time, you're not going to see the notifications. But if you've just got Do Not Disturb on, you'll still see notifications in Notification Center and on your lock screen. Yeah, that's that's how I have it configured. Okay. I, I, okay, then I see so, that. I always use it in, in combination with downtime because that makes, okay, yeah. to me, makes, it's kind of the most natural. Like I, we quite recently used, um, do not disturb until the end of the meeting functionality. And that mm-hmm. was really nice. So even if you looked at your phone for anything, you wouldn't be distracted by any notifications that came in. Ah, uh, they'll still be there if you unlock it though. Or if you, sorry, if you go to the home screen. Sorry, go to the lock screen. Yeah, it's just like turning do not disturb on. I mean, so I, I just want to live in Do Not Disturb all the time and never have my phone light up unless I'm the one making it do so. But anyway, Easy, just, can't just do that put anymore. in that you're sleeping for 24 hours. <laughs> Who needs notifications anyway? Which actually you can't do. You can't go past 12 so hours. Wait, if, what is my configuration? I'm pretty sure when I'm in Do Not Disturb, I never get notifications. You don't get push notifications, but if you look at your screen, you should still get them. I don't think I, I do have that. You would. And notifications still go through to the watch as well, unless the watch is also on Do Not Disturb. Yes, this leads me to my next topic that I wrote down. But we can first get Kai to look at whatever he's looking at. What are you trying to look at, Kai? I I, I don't know. Just turn Do Not Disturb on, and then, Zach, can you send a message to us in the group chat? Sure. I've sent the message. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, never mind. I'm completely wrong, and I take everything I said back. Well, th- I appreciate the, the thought. But, the, the, what yeah. I do find, like, I, I see why your confusion is there, because I feel the same. Like, when I I don't see a difference. Like, it's maybe if you read the message that's on top of that screen, it says that you're in Do Not Disturb and not um, and not in, what's that one called? Downtime. 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 Uh, but, like, from the look at your screen, Downtime and Do Not Disturb look very similar if you don't have any notifications received. Just, oh, yeah, they definitely yeah, do. And, and if you have both on at the same time, you have two banners at yeah. the top, which is always nice. Yeah, so for it's me, really nice. I usually have 
do not disturb on until 9 a.m. And I have downtime till, depending on how long I want to sleep, usually like 8 a.m. Um, so I have this one hour when I only have do not disturb on, and that's always a bit confusing for me because I start out having no notifications and then I start receiving all of them. Uh, but yeah, mm. <laughs> I guess if you know about it, it makes sense, but they could differentiate it a bit. Yeah, I, I feel like it's very confusing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I've had that before from a feature that I'm like not getting it. <laughs> no, it's the same. I actually plan to bring it up now until Zach actually said that those are two different things. So thank you, Zach. <laughs> um. But it's also, I mean, realistically, it's uh, for me, I, I think I might not be using downtime then. Maybe I'm just ignoring notifications Wait, manually in my brain. Well, you do you, honey. Whatever you float, <laughs> you both. Um, but anyways, uh, speaking of do not disturb and um, those type of things, um, someone mentioned, I think it was you, Zach, that um, if you turn do not disturb on for like during a meeting, um, you still have to turn do not disturb on your watch. <sighs> yes, I think you can have a setting where they stay in sync between the two, um, but I almost never want that. Okay, because... <sighs> I found this to be frustrating. I was on the way to a meeting and then I got a notification, like a shortcut notification saying, you're going into a meeting. Would you like to switch your phone into do not disturb during this time? I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly what they should use shortcuts for. I'm going to promote this. I love this. I'm going to talk to Zach about this. Um, and I turned it on and then I kept on receiving notifications on my watch. And then I realized, well, that's a bit silly because like, I got all of the benefits of the shortcut, but I never received the shortcut on my on my watch, and it doesn't sync. And I understand why it doesn't sync because then you have problems like, what what should we do here? Do we really want to sync it across? Maybe the person only wa- doesn't want to be disturbed on their phone. Um, Can you have a look if if you go to uh, your Apple Watch app, then to uh, general general and check for do not disturb what the do not disturb setting is because it's a, there is a mirror iphone setting that's supposed to keep the two uh, in sync i'm looking yeah so do not disturb is um there's a section saying mirror iphone and it's on oh mm. then something's broken yeah so well that's a shame that would be nice and that's what i want uh, what I was going to suggest otherwise is to just display this shortcut on the watch too. I think I'd rather receive mm. an extra notification on my watch that I already received on my phone instead of receiving like potentially like 10 or like 50 notifications while I'm in a meeting where I would want not to be disturbed. Like rather send an extra notification then and then like uh, give me the opportunity to turn it off. So if you don't want to automatically switch it on uh, on the user's watch, just ask the user. That would make sense. Yeah, but I think if you if you if you have the um, mirror setting on, then you should definitely. Yeah, yeah. It I didn't automate. realize that, and uh, yeah, for some reason it's not on, so it must be a bug. And uh, once that's fixed, it makes sense. I think it should just mirror it, and yeah, uh, then I'm then I'm happy. I guess you should follow radar. Mm, maybe I will. I'll I will I will actually do it this time. <laughs> Filing radars is fun. Uh, anyways, that was my thing. But for like, otherwise, I really want to say that this is a perfect way of using shortcuts. Like, it's actually a good way. I had the same thing. I had a missed phone fo- phone call, and then I looked at my phone later, and it suggested to me to actually call this person back. And yeah, overall, I see some more use cases for shortcuts that are in, like cleverly suggested by the system at this at the moment. Our next topic is 
the stuff we like list thing. Zach, what, what what do you think is good this week? Okay, my addition, or it's not an addition to a list, but my thing that I'm going to talk about for the next minute or two is a tool called Sherlock, which is a tool for iOS developers um, to sort of, I guess, supercharge your simulator. Um, is this the I, official slogan? It, <laughs> the official slogan on their website is give your iOS simulator superpowers. Now, I think I came across this last week something but i i got around to trying it out um really late uh in the week last week like i think friday morning and it's it's a tool that's currently in beta and it essentially allows you to view and edit constraints on ui elements in the ios simulator in real time without needing to rebuild uh it's sort of like adjusting constraints in interface builder but a little bit more reliable and it's also a way to see these uh changes take effect pretty fast but it actually changes the code it doesn't change the code no so it's just more so you can do some ui work um but it does actually have a neat feature which is going to talk about is the uh jump to file button so if you're editing a constraint um and you do want to change that in the code you can jump straight to the file uh, that is responsible for for setting that property and you can change it there and then. So it's a good way to sort of, if your constraints are off slightly, instead of having to go into uh, either a storyboard file or uh, a code file and make the changes, build and run and hope that your, hope that your change works, you can just play around with the constraints while the app is running in the simulator, realize, oh, okay, 10 works way better than 12, that matches designs, and then change it once and you're done. Um, you can do things like changing the colors of of labels and images and, or not images, you know what I mean, buttons, things like that. Um, you can you can change um, like, yeah, layout constraints. It's really cool. I think you can even change the text in labels and buttons. So it's pretty powerful. Um, like I said, I only, I've only used it, uh, for, I only played around with it one morning this week. Um, but it looks pretty promising and yeah, I'm looking forward to using that going forward. Um, and yeah, as I said, it is in beta at the moment, which also means that it's free. Um, so you can, you can download the beta, they'll give you a a beta license and you can play around with it. Uh, I guess at least until it goes public, probably. Um, so the website to check that out is sherlock.inspiredcode.io. If you're if you're interested, Sherlock.inspiredcode.io. Yep, catchy. <laughs> yeah. And how do, how are they doing that? Is that some debugger magic that they just apply, like change the constraints? I guess so. So actually, I, I should probably mention that it's really nice. You don't have to install any frameworks in your app or anything, and then you know that you run in debug mode. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, integrating with the simulator directly. You uh you press Command E, I think it is, to enter this Sherlock mode where you can. Uh, muck around with constraints and then when you're done command e again um and yeah so none of it none of it persists none of it um changes anything in your xcode project but it's just a really good way if you're if you're struggling to sort of i guess get uh get some designs pixel perfect to play around with things and make sure that um everything's lined up and then you can you can change your code accordingly i like that you go for pixel perfect and not just for complete uh barely not broken Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of, or reminded me when you when you sent me the link earlier. You didn't send me the link earlier. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, you tweeted it. I tweeted about yeah. it, yeah. Well, <laughs> that is a topic for another day. Um, <laughs> but it, it kind of reminded me of the uh, debugger session we saw at DubDub 
uh, last year, this year. Oh, yeah. Where I I forget what the session name is, but it was an Australian the, guy. The Chris Miles session. Yeah. Right? Uh, Chris was talking about um, using the debugger to for debugging. Who would have thought? Woo-hoo. But kind of making a lot of uh, changes at runtime to get to where you want to go. It was a pretty good session. Seems to follow kind of similar mindset, but seems to be yep. easier to yeah to use. This is a little bit easier to use, yeah. All right, cool. But the one that yeah. they showed off at the at DubDub wasn't that for Mac? The the presentation was focused on Mac. No. Well, I feel like I watched this, but I remember a different session. Anyways, uh, what did you <laughs> pick, Kai? Sorry, I I'm for this week. I thought I. We'll uh, talk about a a video game. Woohoo! And uh, Molly and I have actually. Why did you look at me like you were holding for applause? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> um, so we've been playing uh, Towerfall um, on on Switch for the last few days uh, for about half an hour every evening. Um, we've played Towerfall. I don't know when it came out originally, a few years ago already. Yeah, like 2013, 14 or something. Yeah. But we've uh, we've already played it uh, with friends a lot uh, back in. We were still living in Perth at that point, so it's quite a while ago. Um, but it's basically uh, a game. It kind of has a two D perspective, and uh, every character is um, player character is an archer. So you have uh, you're kind of playing this two D character, and you have arrows. And you can shoot them at each other, and they're kind of multiple modes. One is kind of the the standard. Everyone is kind of in one f- uh, in one screen, and you try to to uh, def- defeat each other. So everyone's, I think, starts with three arrows. If you use the arrows, you actually lose them, and you can retrieve them, or your enemies can retrieve the arrows that you sent sh- uh, sent shot shot. That's a word. Um, yeah, you you can. Uh, everyone can retrieve the arrows that anyone shot. Uh, and therefore, it kind of becomes a quite interesting kind of player versus player dynamic because everyone's kind of trying to only shoot when there when there is some a good chance of uh, actually uh, hitting someone. It kind of gets quite chaotic. So this is the player versus player mode you're talking yeah. about, yeah? Because there are different modes of That's this game, right. which I think you will get to. Yeah. Thanks, Wally. Thank you. <clears throat> Keeping people in the loop. Um. But uh, it, it is a really fun game, especially if you have a couple of friends uh, and, and any any console. I think it's for PlayStation 4, Switch, and maybe Xbox, definitely PC and Mac. Um, but if you have a couple of people together, it's it's a lot of fun to just uh, start a round of Towerfall. It's really easy to get into, but um, there's a lot of uh, room to improve. And uh, you can really, after some time, notice when someone... Th- put a lot of effort into getting better. There's a lot of depth in the in the game mechanics to to really master that. And there's also a, I guess, story mode, but it's more of a co-op mode uh, where you play against random monsters in uh, or a bunch of monsters in, in kind of like a, in multiple stages and you unlock new stages as you clear them. So Mon and I have been playing that for, for about half an hour every evening, just try to get to one new level. Uh, and it's really fun because you're you're still you're still playing on a two D uh, uh, um, world. Uh, you still have limited 
arrows, you can still shoot each other. So you have to be careful to not accidentally shoot each other. Um, and it's really hard. So we, we spent a lot of time. I think we had one level that we tried 30 times before we actually passed. Yeah, there was. I think the latest three we spent so much time. It's good. I really enjoy it. But when you look at how many times you actually died in a level, it's crazy. Yeah, they, they show you the death count in, in the top. So you, you can feel good about how often you died. But you actually see like quite a progression. I think it's a game where every time you die, you actually do did learn something and you're getting better. So it's sometimes we spend like an hour or so trying to, to finish a level um, and die like 30, 40, 40 times before we make it. But then you can, the very next run, you can just make it on first try because you've already figured out how to get there. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a really, really fun game. It's it's not expensive. It's made in Vancouver, so that's nice. Uh, so shout out to, to Vancouver indie game industry. Um, however, uh, we made it to what appears to be, uh, so far it's been uh, the hardest level we had. Um I think it's not technically the last level, but it's but one it of the last. But it is the level you need to finish in order to unlock the next level. Yeah. And every time when we... Uh, def- okay. So just some background. We spent probably an hour trying to beat this level yep. for the first time. And as soon as you defeat the very last enemy, the game crashes. Reliably. Uh, I've I've made it... Yeah, we managed to get through the whole thing four times now yeah. and every freaking time it crashes which is very unfortunate yeah yeah so we hope that, that that will be fixed or that we figure out a way of of getting past that i tried to use a different character to beat the level uh still crashed tried to beat it in single player instead of playing us two together still crashed so that's a bit unfortunate we try turning the console off and on again <laughs> i think we've done that probably um but yeah, apart from that, it's it's a really fun game. I know Zach, you're not a huge fan of of games, but um, maybe maybe one day we can we can play some Towerfall yeah. with you. And so the thing is that this this is a, this is a difficult game, and I think when I first tried it, like when it came out for what was it, PlayStation? Um, then originally it's it came out on Ouya. All right, I think we played it on a PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so originally when I played it, like, I had no chance. It was so difficult and I really struggled because I haven't played many video games while I was growing up uh, and when I was younger. Uh, but since then, I felt like this was a useful skill I needed to acquire and I have been playing a lot of other video games. Uh, and this is actually, like, honestly, I think, like I say it's jokingly that it's important, but honestly, I think it's very you do get a lot of skills that you don't think about from playing video games. You get a lot of uh, uh, hand-eye coordination. I feel like I personally get more spatial awareness, uh, which is basically like when when you learn how to like navigate in in a uh, like in a three D environment. I feel like that also teaches you something in real world how to like navigate around. And I, I do think uh, you learn other things like body control like you especially with a game like this you have to be so precise in order to manage to like uh, escape enemies and all of that and i think you actually learn that from playing video games so long story short i have been playing a lot of other games since then um, and then we picked this game up quite recently and i thought oh, i remember this being so hard i'm not gonna be able to contribute but now i actually know some significantly better after playing uh, a lot of other video games so, so if you want to like if you played other video games, I'm sure you will quite easily be able to pick this up and enjoy it. 
and you can also hear how Marlin tried to find reasons why playing video games is not a waste of time, but instead a well-invested um, self-improvement activity. All right. Uh, great pick, Kai. Uh, I would have picked it if you would not have picked it. So thanks. Uh, instead, I pick something else that's not technical, which is very exciting. It's actually um, a chair. Woo! It does sound like I always... Uh, during this segment, it always sounds like I just look at a random item and pick that. <laughs> uh, that's not the case. I like my chair. Yeah. New room, new <laughs> items to pick. <laughs> All right. So this is a chair called Marcus. Uh, it's from Ikea. and Hello, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> the model is called Marcus. It's from Ikea. Marlin is very attached to that chair. Mine is called Matthias. Hers is called Marcus. No, the model from Ikea is called Marcus. Am I getting this wrong? No, it's, no, it no, is no, called Marcus, yeah, not yeah, Matthias. just sounded yeah. a bit nutty. <sighs> That's just how I roll. Um, and I'm rolling on my chair right now. Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> I hope we're getting Apple news soon again. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> save us, Apple. Um, yes, I'm going to pick this chair. It's not a particularly exciting chair. It's not technical in any way, but it is really comfortable. Wherever, like, where, Whenever we make a big move and we can't bring our old one with us, we tend, both Kai and I tend to bring tend to go to Ikea and just buy a new one of these uh, because they're so nice chairs. Like they're really comfortable. They're similar, like they're really ergonomical because you can really, um, like you have a really long, like tall backrest uh, and it's also flexible. You can like wiggle it backwards, I guess, like lean backwards. Um, and it's also like completely adjustable in height. And I really like it because um, it's ergonomical, but it's still relatively affordable i think uh many office chairs are like very expensive and often they look like something that belongs to a spacecraft and this one is actually a bit sleeker in design and quite uh quite neat i tend to take the armrests off uh, because uh, first of all it makes the chair a lot smaller like you actually it takes less space but also i don't like having armrests on my chair because um you can like if you take your armrests off you can actually like get under your desk as much as you want so like you can actually roll closer to the desk and have a more ergonomic posture um and that's why i really like this one um and i would recommend it i mean it's definitely no herman miller aaron or or similar similar type of chair no but if you want something for like your home office and you don't want to pay a fortune i think it's great yeah it's it's definitely a great i guess budget well I mean, it's it's definitely not a budget chair. You can probably go to any kind of Home Depot-type store and get a chair for, like, 50 bucks. It's definitely more premium than that. But it's I think, overall, it's really good value for money. And it's nice because, I mean, for us, we move a lot, different countries, different continents. Um, and IKEA exists in almost all of those. So we, we kind of, I think... Would you really move to a place that doesn't have IKEA, Kai? <laughs> no, we want to get the market share. I mean, in general, I hope we stay here, so that that's kind of the plan. But um, but for all your listeners out in the world, like in the wide world, you can get your market share at your local <laughs> IKEA. Um, but I just think it's nice. Like we we decided that we liked a chair. I don't know, ten years ago or something. Whatever. It's been around for a long time, and now we just rebuy it every place we move to. 
it's quite nice to know that there will be a market. We do resell our old ones too. So it's not like we just throw them away. I just want to make it sound like we're not completely wasting those chairs. We actually sell them to and give them a good home and then we'll get new ones. I mean, you heard how attached Malin is. She gave him an she gave her name. She gave chair, him a name. name. <laughs> yeah. Her chair a name, so clearly it can't go to waste. Got a it was adopted by a new parent um when we moved. Yeah, so I really really like it. Um so that's my my uh stuff I like this week. Stuff I like thing this week. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Good chair. Cool. I think it's a good list. Note the list. Alright. So now um spoiler horn. We're going to be talking about The Good Place. Which is a podcast. No. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a TV show. A TV show. It's also a podcast. It's also a podcast, but that's called The Good Place, the podcast, uh, which is a podcast about The Good Place. It's amazing. Um, Listen to our podcast, though. then you can go to the good place to podcast yeah but again just to reiterate if you haven't seen a good place you should really not listen to this um we will definitely assume you've seen at least the first season no the first two okay the first two seasons um and it's a good show you should go and watch it and not listen to the segment until you're done with that yep and there will be nothing of value After this, so if you haven't this watched a good place and you have no in- intention of doing doing so, you can safely delete the rest of this episode. Yeah, and even if you um, don't want to see the podcast, uh, sorry, man, <laughs> if you <laughs> even if you decide not to, uh, even if you decide that well, you want to listen to this because you think you won't watch it, please, 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 never spoil this show for anyone else. Like, don't even if you think those people won't watch it, never tell people what this show is about. In general, never spoil. Any, I think we're very particular about not being spoiled about things, though. But in general, don't spoil things. It's a weird thing to do. Okay, so, so this is a really interesting, um, a really interesting segue into, I guess, something that can become a a discussion point about the good place. So. <laughs> Uh, I I rarely watch TV shows, and uh, I guess it would be even rarer for me to then talk to other people about those TV shows. So I'm not really sure what kind of things people talk about when they talk about TV shows. <laughs> anyway, apparently I'll learn today. But you said don't spoil it for other people. What kind of things like that have happened in the in the first two seasons would be spoilers? Like I presume the twist towards the end of season <laughs> well, one is yeah, a spoiler. That, that would count as a spoiler. Yeah. That's a big one, right? Yeah, cool. It's not just about saying what the actual twist is. You should never do that. But you should also not tell a person there is a twist. Yeah. Like, this is a spoiler. Okay. Yeah, Because enough. then people will sit there and wait yeah. for a twist. And it's mean. And people will try to figure out and read into it too much. Okay. For example, like, honestly, sometimes, like, I'm very particular with it. If Kai says, like, I don't watch trailers for things, for example. Yeah, me neither. Uh, the good thing, okay, but I did watch the trailer for The Good Place just because I saw it was a movie, a show with Crystal Bell, and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I will watch this. Like, it will come out in a few, like, in a year or so. I want to see at least what type of show it is. And then I think I watched half of the tra- trailer, but that half, they were really good at not spoiling anything past the first episode. So basically, everything in the trailer for this was just a pilot. Uh, and I think that's fair. I think you could probably talk about the first episode. Which does include a spoiler, but it's so early on. So I think if you want to ex- tell anyone about this show, you can probably tell them about the first episode. It's like 
What do you guys think? Is it fair? Yeah, I think in general, I would consider everything a spoiler that alters the the viewers or the person that consumes the medium, alters their their expectation and um, experience of watching that. So if I would have told you, you should watch The Good Place, I think you won't see the sp- the, the twist in the end coming. You would have expect a twist all along. You would think about what the twist might be, and you might come up with. I mean, now, did you expect the twist in the end? I didn't. No. Yeah. If I would have told you, the tw- wait in the end being that they're in the the end of season one. Yeah, end of season one, season one, episode thirteen. Yeah. Okay. No, I didn't. If I would have told you yeah. there will be a twist, you would have constantly tried to figure out what the twist would be because you know there will be a twist, right? So your entire um, viewing behavior of the show would have been changed, and therefore I would consider it a spoiler. So anything I would, so I would even consider things a spoiler. That's where if I would tell you, um, I don't know, the show is really, really, really crappy. <laughs> even that I would consider a mild spoiler because it alters. It's not a crappy show, though. No, no, yeah. no. But like, even even an opinion about something, it more applies to uh, movies because I feel like you can still recommend a movie even if you don't think it was a good movie. I would never recommend someone a TV show if I think the TV show is not good mm-hmm. because you 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 just play with so much time that you want someone to invest that I feel like you it is unfair to recommend a bad show. And it's it's never worth it. I feel like sometimes watching a movie that's not good and then talking about what wasn't good in the movie is valuable. But spending like 10 or more hours on something to then just say, yeah, it was pretty crap, moving on, would have been, <laughs> would be terrible. Yeah. But I would say everything like that, anything that's your opinion or anything about the content that is bigger than just the most bare description of yeah. what it is like it you can say it. it's a clever comedy i like it that's how i would describe the show yeah so i didn't even realize that it was like partly comedy which is interesting <laughs> when did you realize it's comedy like well no like for the first episode you thought, did you did you go into it thinking it would be comedy or did you think it wasn't comedy no so i knew nothing about the good place other than the name when i started watching it perfect and yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, perfect. Um, but it's kind of it was not what I expected. <laughs> so, what did you think? Like, from just from the name, what would you expect? I I don't know. I thought it would be more serious. I said that. Literally, no idea. Okay. Like it's it's generic enough that it's sort of not hinting. Yeah. You know? And then yeah, obviously you learn within the first five seconds what the good place yeah. is. But yeah, I, I didn't pick up on that. Um, like what it could be. And I guess again, not watching much stuff. I don't really know what to expect, but okay, yeah, it was definitely different to what I was expecting. Not in a bad way, just... Based based on your frame of reference of not watching a lot of things, did you enjoy it? I am enjoying it, yeah. That's why I've watched two <laughs> seasons in like... Well, you, you are still... You, you did watch two seasons of uh, Black Mirror without enjoying it, so we have to make sure. <laughs> yeah, but that was over like a two-year period. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was quite impressed when you sent us a message this morning. Should we talk about season two as well? Because I watched that too. I was like, oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> So I actually binge watched about half of season two last night. I had some plans bail, and so I stayed at home and watched like six episodes or something ridiculous. <laughs> um, so then I was like, "Well, I'm at to, I'm at season episode ten of season two. I'm not going to stop here. We're going to be able to talk about the whole the whole season." So, right. yeah, yeah. T- it turns out they actually have an extended cut for most episodes. Um, oh, okay. So we after it's 
uh, you told us that you kind of made good progress on on the first season. We rewatched the entire first season in in an extended cut, and ah, I was nice. again. Is that on Netflix too? Uh, no, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fell so off the back of a truck? No, 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 no. It's just complicated because Hulu has most of the extended cuts. Apart from one episode that I believe to be extended on Netflix, but not on Hulu. Uh, okay. So it's a bit of a weird setup. But if you get the Blu-ray um, version, either of that truck that you're referring to or of the Amazon that you can also buy it. Um, like the rainforest? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the one I'm talking about. Um, cool. All right. Just just clarify. But if you, if you get a hands on the blue. Blu-ray version. I th- I believe all the episodes in that one are the, ex- the longest possible episodes of of the. Yeah. Otherwise, probably Hulu, but Google for which episode to watch on Netflix, so you don't miss that one. Google for ah okay interesting. So how much extra footage are you getting? So it kind of depends. Sometimes it is kind of more in the realm of uh, like I think the episodes all aim for twenty-two minutes. I think it's 21 minutes. Yeah, because it's TV sitcom yeah. length. Um, and then the extended cuts go kind of between 23 minutes for the ones that are just barely extended, which just means sometimes we just notice an extra joke or two in an episode, up to some episodes being, I think, 27 minutes. Not a bad increase. So yeah. quite significant extra scenes. Yeah, no, like, plot changes. It's just, like, adding a scene that wasn't there. Before. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely no... no. <laughs> No functional changes. It's it's mostly just extra scenes. What, they're really in the medium place all along. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly it's mostly just extra scenes. Um, that, I mean, in general, um, Mike Shore, the creator of the the uh, the, sh- the show, is quite um, passionate about his shows. I mean, there 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 are a few other um, Mike Shore shows that I really enjoyed, like. Um, uh, Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recs, for example, yeah. So he, he's very, very, a very passionate creator of of his comedy shows. Um, so he's he's definitely in in the edit room when they're editing the the episodes, and then logically the the stuff that's being cut is usually either not necessary for the plot or jokes that are funny, funny enough that they made it to a point where they were filmed, but not not funnier than all the others. So I would say you're not you're probably not missing a lot if you don't watch the extended ones. But if if you're if you are a fan of the show, it's worthwhile seeing. If if you're if you watch the first season and you're like, I like that, I would like more of that, there is a bit more of that. But it's definitely not that if you watch the regular one that you're missing a lot. Interesting. I thought the second season was particularly interesting. Like the first is very much laying the foundations for everything to come but sort of in a like you you notice that it's laying foundations but then everything changes and it's it's suddenly laid foundations for a completely different plot which is weirdly interesting i know it's like they sort of had this whole setup of uh like having those people being in what they believe is the good place and they are gonna basically have this whole setup of how the good place works and how uh, Eleanor is trying to get extra points in the good place in order to actually be allowed to stay in the good place because she's actually not supposed to be there and I think it's it's a great plot just showing that she's trying to be better but she's trying to not be caught but then all of a sudden they do make this such like the first change which is her saying that she doesn't belong there so 
they have to change sort of the dynamic between her and Michael and between uh, the good place and the bad place. And this is when you actually get an introduction to the quote-unquote bad place, which they say is the real bad place, which is the real bad place, but it's different from the bad place that the good place actually is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense, but it's slightly confusing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But basically, like, you get this introduction to, like, the bad side in comparison to where they are, and you get to meet, like, what actual demons are like. And I think uh, you really get to see, like, the different sides of that, and I think it makes you feel more, like a fan of Eleanor and you want her to stay in the good place and you want them to figure this out. But then once um, you actually get to the final plot twist, which is in, or the final plot twist was season one. Holy motherfucking shirt bolts. Exactly. (laughs) Then you get to figure out that they actually have been setting up this whole plot or it's basically like the scratching their entire plot. In a way, but it also strengthen it at the same time i mean i i I was very impressed because eleanor is not a great person right she's (laughs) she's really uh um shirt back um uh but the the difference is striking between her in the supposed good place and the flashbacks that you get in real life it's almost like you can't go from one to the other in a matter of like a few weeks that they'd been there or whatever yeah yeah i mean i think some things make make sense right because first of all first she pretends to be better just because she kind of feels like she needs to but i feel like then it starts to stick and she feels an interest in actually staying there you know it's she's she's definitely very afraid of not staying there and going to the bad place yeah, yeah. So I feel like in the beginning she's more, more trying to hide yeah. what she actually is. I think the thing is that Eleanor is also quite intelligent, and uh, I think she figures out that she has to hide this. Whereas if you look at someone like Jason, which is also like a lunatic who is actually not supposed to be in the good place, who's definitely been misplaced to be in this like good place universe, he on Earth is very much the same as what he is when he's in the good place, and he's too dumb to realize that he has to adjust. He basically <laughs> says that he should just be himself because nothing works out well if he's not himself. Whereas in this situation, it's a terrible idea, and I think I mean he sometimes forgets w- where they actually are. <laughs> yeah, he's still sort of. But hey, he was smart enough to work out they were in the the bad place at least least once yeah, you know no, once once but i think <laughs> in the first season he still sort of f- suspect that he is still in a uh in a type of prank show or reality show like yeah, i know yeah. people have been telling him multiple times that he's dead but i think he still hasn't really gotten to that conclusion himself but he's also mm-hmm. he's still afraid of dying <laughs> i know i know <laughs> he, he just forgot yeah. that he's dead he's <laughs> But he's an interesting one. I mean, he mentions Jacksonville, Florida, almost as much as you've mentioned it's Vancouver. Amazing. It's crazy. Oh, I love how much they make <laughs> It's so funny how much they make fun of Florida. Yeah. It is funny. And I think especially when Sean, the judge, is coming in and look at, like who should be where, and he wants to get some background information on Jason, <laughs> yeah. and he looks, oh, I don't have any background information. Oh, he's from Florida. Yeah, you should be in the bad place. <laughs> like, it's it's just funny how they play on that. I think it's um, might be unfair. I haven't been to Florida, but I assume people aren't all bad in Florida. I think you should probably be a bit softer on them. But I don't know. <laughs> I think it fits all those cliches on Florida, and I think... What I really like about this show is that... The actors, by the way, from Vancouver, in case I didn't mention Vancouver enough. 
Yeah, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, he looks familiar. Would he have been in anything else? No, I might have seen. No, like, in general. No. If you, yeah. So uh, I have some insight on this because I listened to the podcast. But basically, okay. for Jason, they wanted to have a person who you really haven't seen before. Like they. W- oh, sorry, I was talking about Sean. Oh, you talk about John. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he's in everything. <laughs> sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. He was yeah. in Parks and Rex. He's in a lot of. I think he's in SNL. So Saturday Night Live. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's okay. been in a lot of Mike Shore. Mike Shore? Mm-hmm. Um, he has? Shows, apparently. Yeah, I feel like there's something that I've... Anyway, sorry, you were saying about Jason. It sounds interesting. Yeah, so basically, uh, yeah, so so um, they actually been like specifically focused on trying to get some... For, for a role like Jason, they really want to get someone who hasn't really been seen before because the thing is that you really wanted... They really wanted him to believe to be a silent monk in the first quarter of the first season because um if so because if you would take someone who's been acting a goofball uh, before or acting an unintelligent character before you sort of like make people have ex- unexpected you make people expect something else in the first place mm-hmm. while well, someone like casting someone like Ted Danson for uh Michael uh the architect of the good place is is a great idea because Ted Danson is supposed to be this like America's like sweetheart like he's supposed to be such a nice guy everyone loves him like in real life people really likes this guy and i think it's a perfect casting for this role because no one expects him to actually be a bad guy um and that's why I think, like, they have put so much effort into, like, who they cast for what. And, like, for someone like Sean, they really wanted to have someone who is known in the sort of geek universe. Like, they wanted to have someone who people know about. Well, someone like Tahani, they thought would be really difficult to cast because, again, they didn't want her to be someone known, but they wanted someone with a Pakistani or Indian heritage who had a British accent, who was, like, super tall and looked pretty much the opposite of Christian Bell. Because they wanted her to be like the enemy of Christian Bell, because she should look very different. Christian Bell should be very jealous at her. So, like the casting of those roles is so interesting. So, if you end up look, listening to the podcast, they will tell you more about those things. And that's what I like about the show. Like everyone who is on the show is a fan of the show, and they want to make a podcast about it, and they want to talk more about it. And you get so many exciting in- insights about this. And it makes the show great. I think everyone's so engaged in making a good show. So, like the actors really like suggesting things, but he also really trusts the writers and it seemed to be a great dynamic. Hmm. And it's, there are not a lot of shows where I'm sometimes in tears because it's so funny, but I had multiple times during the first season, even while rewatching it. I think the show also has a re- unique rewatchability just because of the twist in, in um, season one, episode 13, because then you can see all the, all the, the things that were actually tortured. I mean, in in the in the episode, they kind of show like a few snippets of where um, where they actually show parts where they're p- planning for for the torture moment, like mm-hmm. when the when the couple moved into the same house with uh, Eleanor and Chidi, um, and how they selected the roles for them that they're like a marriage co- or relationship counselor and and the other guy focusing on on um, identity theft. Um, yeah, that part was pretty yeah. funny. But um, if you actually rewatch the show, you see how it it didn't like the the twist was definitely not an afterthought. If you if you actually watch it, you see Michael's never yeah. been seen. We've never seen a scene with Michael where he was by himself because yeah. then obviously he wouldn't keep up his his kind of uh, uh, friendly 
um, appearance, right? If he would be by himself, right, you would see that he is actually evil. And even if you and you don't, you also don't see him interacting with people exactly. who aren't exactly. the four. Like I think, humans. I think sometimes. Uh, so basically, all writers on the show. Um, didn't know about the twist. There were actors, you mean? Sorry, all actors, and also many of the actors and many of the directors didn't know about the twist. So there could be directors coming in directing one episode, and they might say, "Oh, it would be good if we just have Michael and Janet in this epi- in the se- sorry in the scene, or Michael doesn't like they suggested changes when it should only be Michael." by himself and they had to say like sorry we, we can't do that and they're like why can't we do that and they didn't want to tell anyone because they didn't want to reveal the twist to it. like even people who worked on the show because they wanted it to be as realistic as possible uh so it's quite interesting but once I, you do i go think back, they called it they had an objective which was kind of the objective at a time and a super objective which was the objective of the entire season so yeah. it was often that ted was like ted danson the actor of michael was when there was a suggestion, he was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I- so, so the thing is that Ted Danson and um, Kristen, Bell. Kristen Bell were the only two actors that actually knew about the twist. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so then, then Ted Danson was sometimes walking out and saying, oh, I have to talk to uh, Mike about, about the scene. Um, and he said he felt kind of bad about that because it felt like, oh, I only trust the, the creator, not, not the director. But because they had to still they wanted every single episode to make sense even if you know the twist and i i really appreciate that and when you rewatch the the show you see so many details where there's sometimes just a glow in in michael's eyes where you see he's actually he's actually annoyed that something didn't work or he's happy about how someone is suffering a bit but not enough that you would pick up on it on fo- on the first watch at all um but if you watch it the second time you're like oh <laughs> yeah they also have this saying in the writer's room, apparently, which is called, like, no torture too small. Uh, so basically, they think, like, whatever they can do to make these people feel worse is torture in this place. And they try to make, like, every time they see opportunities from the writers, they try to, like, put those things in. For example, the f- frozen yogurt. Like, realistically, like, there's so many frozen yogurt sh- shops there, but no one likes frozen yogurt. It's just this, like, mediocre alternative that you might have when there is no ice cream available. And that's a bit of torture because, like, people actually wouldn't, wouldn't choose that. Um, and I think there, there are certain things like, uh, Eleanor in her house, there are those very stupid steps. Like, she can't walk up to her bedroom without, like, laying on a ledge and then pulling herself up because she can't figure out how to get the stairs out until, like, the tenth episode someone shows her. Uh, but, like, those things are just, like, those small things that make her so annoyed, like, in her everyday life. But and- also, it's it's very specific for the character because they make Eleanor disliking that she's kind of smaller. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. then... then- <laughs> designing the house in a way where she always has to go up and has to pull herself up and always remind her of that she's not very tall. <laughs> it's just a small thing that adds to the torture for at least every evening. And it's 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 a lot of fun, actually, to rewatch that and see all those moments, how they... I mean, you're, you're almost annoyed about yourself when you're rewatching. You're like, how did I not see that coming? Everything is just a mess. But also, like, yeah. the this... The sinkhole opening and all the trash storms, all those things are just, um, I mean, they're fun. Mm. Or, or just missing out on flying lessons. If it's really the good place, you should be able to fly. Yeah, yeah, or living next to the person who has the huge house. Like, the 
this castle uh, in comparison to where she is mm. living. Mm. Or, uh, but but something I found to be interesting that we didn't pick up on is that, like, when they do have those flashback on Chidi's life, people tell him that moral philosophers are the worst people and they make everyone around them unhappy. And this is a clear reason why he didn't end up in the good place because he was just bad to everyone around him because he could never make his mind up and they say this constantly but like we as viewers still didn't make that connection thinking that he shouldn't be in the good place i think it's interesting that they tricked you into like they tricked you so well into believing that the only thing that was wrong in the good place was that um was that Eleanor and uh, Jason shouldn't be in the good place. That was the only thing that you were sort of set on and you were like rooting for those characters or at least Eleanor to stay in the good place. And they really sort of like had took the attention away from the actual plot twist and I think that was great. And apparently a lot of the writers and actors, they followed, once they knew the plot twist, they followed um, like online forums and Reddit um, while this show was being aired and they weren't met, like no one really suspected this to be a twist in the end. There weren't people suggesting that this is going to happen. So I think they were really good at actually camouflaging it. Mm. While still keeping integrity of making sure that everything you see still makes sense after knowing the twist. And I feel like that that is so much effort. And I mean, you, you said you don't watch a lot of um, TV in general and probably 20-minute uh, comedies in particular, but it's, it's not something you usually see for 20-minute comedies. Yeah. Like, there's so many gaps in plots, like, oh, poor Lost. <laughs> because it's interesting, because, like, every 20-minute show that I've watched in the past doesn't really have a continuing storyline, or not one yeah. where you wouldn't want to have watched the previous episode before the next one, whereas this one, you definitely have to watch it in order. Um, so, it is it is a different kind of show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not a sitcom. It's not like, yeah, it's not like Big Bang Theory, where you don't really have to, yeah. It's not, it's not a sitcom, no, but it's... It's like half a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, it, it is definitely sitcom with a continuing storyline. But even that feels like a more deliberate decision to to mask the plot twist because of the format of a twenty minute comedy. You don't expect there to be. I mean, it's already weird that there were a lot of. I think you said that kind of halfway through the first season that you said, "Oh, there's so many um, uh, cliffhangers." Even that is kind of rare for twenty minute comedies to have cliffhangers. Yeah, yeah. I, that's part of the reason I got through the first season so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Was it, it worked. That's all yeah, I can say. Well-designed uh, cliffhangers. But I also feel like yeah. it is it is a super dense show. Like, super dense in jokes, super dense yeah, in, yeah. in what's happening. It's really hard. Like, some some shows people watch while paying half attention. I feel it's kind of hard with this show. It's It's very much like there's things happening all the time. It's one of the highest joke density shows i think i've seen ever maybe yeah what i really like with the show is that they just the writers put so much attention or so much detail into everything so it's not just the jokes that they literally say it's so many visual jokes like if you actually look at like newspapers in the background or like magazines in the background when they are like having flashbacks everything they have been like writing jokes on everything and so many things make sense they're often like puns in the background yeah. or like there's a reference to tahani when you like on a magazine when you when you have a flashback to eleanor's past uh mm -hmm. pa past. i thought that one was interesting yeah yeah and they do this all the time and you will, if you listen to the podcast, you will hear that like even things that are not being shown, like a character is just reading a book, they have actually written, like a journal, for example, they have actually written text on every page of this journal. So it makes sense for the actors as well. Yeah. Interesting. 
So, um, what did you think when when you got to the last episode of season one and Devra will reveal the twist? Well, actually, first, was there at any point that you would that you expected this twist? No, no. I mean, like, it, yeah, it wasn't one that I expected, I guess. But um, I don't know. It, it, it made sense. I was kind of. I, I thought it was interesting how quickly it went from oh, we're in the good place, we need to sort these things out to, oh, Eleanor has her idea and five seconds later, Michael's laughing about it and admitting he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Or oh, not wrong, but like admitting he's in the wrong, I guess. Um, <laughs> that was a strange sort of minute or two of the show. I thought that all happened very quickly. Um, you know, normally you would expect, I guess, some kind of pushback or uh, hesitation or denial or something, but it was like, nope. Like launches straight into a laugh, like "Hi, oh, you got me." Yeah. Um, and then I guess that, I, I guess that moment, once it's out there, isn't that important anymore. Like how it happens, it's more just trying to communicate it. Um, yeah. So that that was interesting. Yeah, but I also think that one that one is interesting because it is this uh, transition of things have been going wrong for so long, right? It was already, he didn't think Eleanor would confess. He didn't expect that weird Jason and Janet, uh, that they would get married. And it's like, everything is just weird and everything has been going off plan for him. And then he's just (laughs) laughing because like, Oh my God, what is this? Yeah. The absurdity of the whole situation. Yeah. But he also knows, you know, he was probably already considering to reset anyway because he mm. was the only one at that point that knew he could just reset everything. Um, mm. So he was probably already considering potentially talking to Sean in that room about a potential reset. Um, and then it's like, it just bursted out in laughter. He was like, this is so absurd. How, how, how did we get there? Just, just I, I expected this to go for a lot longer. Oh well, I guess it's a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit Truman Showy. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it feels a bit like that, where everything's so uh, don't carefully say curated like, and planned. It's it's, it's yeah. a really good movie, but I basically only watched the second half of it. Okay, but I think I haven't seen it, and I think you should definitely watch it. Okay, okay. So don't spoil okay, it. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, For next episode, we're gonna watch the Truman Show. <laughs> <laughs> we should actually. Um, yeah, we should. But. It, Again, like, so I guess second season starts and they're on reset one or like the first, yeah. I guess, the second attempt. And I kind of expected that. I felt like that was weird. Like they could easily have picked. There were so many places to end on a cliffhanger in season one in the last episode. And it didn't. It's like they actually started the next reboot. They could just have said, we're in the bad place. And then that ends. But now they actually, you saw them starting a new reboot and it felt like they would potentially live on that for the rest of season two. Like I was worried mm. that season two would yeah, just be. that's how it felt. Yeah, it would just be a reboot when you see Eleanor living together with this um, mailman um, and having a good time and probably not figuring it out as quickly, but potentially figuring it out later on. Well, she didn't. Like it was just uh, like, yeah. Season season two had a very surprising start. Uh, yeah, and that first episode, about half of it was spent sort of recapping a lot of the things that happened in the first season, but just 
with subtle differences in this second season. And I thought, oh, great, we're in for a, yep. in for a long season. Uh, they're going <laughs> to fail again. And yeah. in the last episode, they're going to find out and everything's going to be reset. And then I think by the end of that first episode, they'd gone through a few yeah. uh, attempts already. And then you say, okay, something something's a little, a little bit different happening here. yeah so i had i had this great idea in the end of season one i was like okay this is what will happen in season two i laid it out for kai i said that like basically what i've expected is because eleanor in the last in the season one she figures out that she can maybe send messages to herself in the next reboot so she puts this note into janet's mouth and then uh, she gets that to be sort of forwarded to her in the future and i thought Maybe the reboot, maybe the first episode, first season is not actually the first reboot. Maybe they have actually been rebooted multiple times. So I thought they might would build on that and fig- we figure, find out that it's like the hundred reboots or something. And the messages that she was sending, you know how uh, she got some messages under the door in season one? Yes. Yeah. I thought maybe they were from a previous reboot. But uh, that's half- a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then halfway cool. through the first episode, I figured that's not going to happen. But it's mm-hmm. also Jason yeah. said that he sent a message, right? But Jason is Jason. He might not know if he sends messages or not. <laughs> yeah, he could be like, I was winking at you all yeah. the time. That was the message I was referring to. Or Janet could have given him the note to put under <laughs> the door. Yeah. Not unreasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I think by the end of that first episode, um, I realized that it wasn't going to be a case of just repeating season one with subtle differences like i kind of thought it might have been yeah was it the second episode of season two when they actually had like multiple reboots maybe but i think i think it was a double episode yeah yeah so by the third by the third episode they would probably already have been talking to michael and michael was that when michael started changing to be on their side around then yeah Maybe maybe the third or fourth. Like, yeah, so it was very early on, actually. Because, I don't know, then there was some visits to the Mindy Sinclair's house and all of that stuff in between, I think, before they decided to uh, team up with Michael. Yeah. Or he decided to team up with them. In in general, I think that that is a thing I really appreciate in the show, is that they never drag out clever concepts f- for the sake of dragging them out. Yeah, like, that's the yeah. thing. They could yeah. have built, like, ten seasons on just rebooting, but they didn't. Or even even for season one, right? Just the um, that Eleanor isn't supposed to be there. That was <laughs> was shown within five minutes. There was no like long playing on that concept before it being revealed. Like everything is like, all right, that's a good idea. Let's let's do it. Get and get on to the next interesting thing. And you don't have to uh, think too hard while watching it either. Everything is spelled out for you well that's what we think right well like you're not gonna miss a twist (laughs) because you weren't paying attention no no you might not realize what's coming up but you don't have to necessarily think about things in too much detail for them to make sense i mean the second time i watched the first season i watched the first season three times in total now uh wow once once when it came out uh kind of Week by week, then one time with uh, with my niece when she was here, we we watched it because we told her that the show's really good, so we watched it together. Um, I think that was I don't know a year ago or so, and then now again for for. That's the thing we never really watch any shows twice because it's such a big commitment in the first place, and it's often you start to see flaws with the show if you watch them too many times. Um, like plot flaws in the plot basically, but this time it was like you actually got more value out of it from watching it the second time and potentially a third time yeah especially the second time was you you watch the show in a completely different perspective because you're looking for all the hints and all the like 
you you kind of see all right i see why he left up the score for tahani to see when she walks in of course he knew she was curious enough to see her own score so she would mm -hmm. dig into and be nosy and see her score being in the bottom yeah so the second time you i i paid so much more attention to that because you know i knew i knew where it was heading and then the third time it was the extra extra scenes so i i usually struggle a lot with watching things more than once um it's almost feeling like torture to watch a thing a second time if i know what's coming that's also why i try to avoid spoilers so much because if i know what's coming i get no enjoyment out of it anymore i get a lot of the enjoyment when i watch something out of trying to stay ahead and trying to figure out what's happening so Molly and i when we watch like a, a tv show or a movie we often pause and and uh talk about our theories where this is going um, and you obviously don't really, un unless you're a complete moron, you don't have that when you're when you're watching something the second or third time, um, Jason. Um, <laughs> so, but the good place is, I think the only thing I've ever enjoyed watching three times. I don't think I've ever had anything I could watch three times and still get so much enjoyment out of it. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> Just more, more, more praise for 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 the good show. Such a good show. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, it was a, quite a while ago we watched season two, unfortunately. But I think. Yeah, we didn't expect you to blow through that one too. No, no. But I. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think there, we were a bit more cautious about there being some other twist potentially. We knew that, like, they, it's a show that sort of pulls things off like that. And we were cautious and sort of trying to always, like, we didn't really binge that season because we always wanted to, like, pause in between and discuss it. Um, so that we like could always like try to guess where it's going, and like I said, that's sort of what we, how we like to watch shows. But um, yeah, I think I think it was great, and the fact that they actually did get Michael to sort of turn around and be on their side was really good, and like it adds some fun dynamics to it. And the funny thing is that he keeps on torturing them, right? So he's still having those eth can't ethics. help himself. Yeah, like he's still having ethics lessons about the trolley problem, and then he keeps on torturing Shidi and getting cheated to like have to make a decision on who to kill in the trolley problem uh, and then uh, yeah in the end you realize that he's actually just keeping on his like torturing job as a demon and yeah it's it's fun to see but it's also you know he's been a demon for a long time so it's kind of his he he defaults into torture like he he sometimes forgets <laughs> that torture is not the right way of behaving with people despite yeah yeah like do, even during the le during the lessons he's like <laughs> suggesting alternatives to the philosophical philosophical um thoughts that are very much more coming from a demon's perspective <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely. what was it like there must be so something uh his solution to the charlie problem was kill them all <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and he saw nothing wrong with that hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So overall, did you um, did you enjoy the second season too? Yeah, I did. Um, it's it's a bit different to the first season, which is a good good in a way. Like it's not super related. Um, like it's it's not the same thing over again, which mm -hmm. is good. Um, and I think it would have been very easy to do that again with this style of show and the way that they've set things up and yep. set the characters up. Uh, and they probably could have done a few seasons that were very similar before really changing the plot. But like you said, um, changes have happened pretty quickly between each episode and yeah i did enjoy the second season um which i guess led to me watching like six episodes last night <laughs> um 
but yeah, no, no, it was good. So what what do you as an Australian think about Australian parts of se season two? Well, it's only the last episode of season two. Yeah, there's only one Australian part, I think. Oh wait, there's the there's the Australian dude with the with the weird boots. Yeah, uh, I don't know what oh, they're trying yeah. to trying to say about that. Like, um, are all Australians weird and we wear red boots? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> did um, did you cool? Did you think he had a good Australian accent? No, it was terrible. Okay. I thought it was so good. I don't, I don't even think that's realistic. Like, that's not that's not how Australians sound in Australia. The problem is that, okay, you know what the problem is with him? Is that he's saying bad and not mate. That's the main problem with his accent. That too, yeah. yeah. But uh, Tahani says mate. Yeah, and she's British. Tahani's British, though. Mm, yeah. Does yeah. she actually say mate in the show? I thought she was she way does. too sophisticated At least to once. That. Yeah? She, uh, she used the word and then had to explain to Eleanor what it meant. She's like, that means friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was at the end of season two at some point. Um, so his Australian accent is not great. Uh, but hey, all Australians are weirdos. So it's, <laughs> I guess, that one, okay right? to paint that picture. Um, we don't all wear red boots though, but sure, like whatever makes the story flow. Um, but I did really enjoy right at the end of the last episode of season two when... Interestingly enough, she goes to Australia to meet Chidi. I guess that's where he was working at the time uh, when she went to meet him. Actually, that's weird. Let's let's talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she goes to Australia and they show a Qantas plane and they show the Sydney International Terminal, yep. which is really cool. Was it, know, actually, nice. it, it was the actual International Terminal. <sighs> I think so, but I don't know. It was at least very, very close. We tried to find pictures yeah, after we yep. watched the episode and we're like... Wow, that actually looks like the Sydney International Terminal. And they had the real taxis outside, like the actual, mm. I don't, forgot what it was, Swan Taxi? Yeah, I didn't pause and like analyze it, but it did look, it did look legit. The Qantas plane, like again, that's cool. Like I, I have a thing about seeing Qantas planes in American centric shows or things. Like when Qantas, the like Qantas app was featured at WWDC this year a few times in some of the sessions I was in, I got really excited and took photos. We exist. Yeah, kind of thing. Like, hey, we're on the map. It's There's cool. an American um, that knows that we exist. And not just yep. that we exist, they know about a thing. They know, know a thing about our existence. We have an airline, amazingly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always find that cool. Um, so yeah, I, I did enjoy that. Um, but the last episode where... Okay, how realistic is it to watch some dude's video on YouTube and then unannounced fly to his place of work and knock on his office door. Well. It's exceptionally weird. Well, And I, I get that they're probably, I, I don't know, I haven't seen season three, so you might know more that, about it, like, from having watched that. I kind of, I guess it shows that there was a tie that she can't really explain with Chidi, because obviously she doesn't know that they were previously friends. Mm -hmm. um, so she's, she's found, or she's sort of realized that, oh, this is a, some weird bond that's like pulling me towards going to visit Chidi. But it's just weird. Like, <laughs> if I if I saw some professor person give a speech I was interested in, and I was like really into talking to them, I would send them an email, not get on a plane and <laughs> yeah, travel like, fourteen yeah. hours. Yeah, what I think is uh, what I'm mostly. Uh, she, she just traveled over the night, right? Like this was supposed to be within like twenty four hours, right? I guess so. I, I don't know because I'm just wondering. The episode okay. ends when she gets there and knocks on his door, yeah. so I don't know if she goes back to America shortly. It after. feels like she went over for a day like within a day and i'm like how did she get a visa that quickly 
like, <laughs> which visa is she on so that she managed to get it that quickly? Maybe it's just a like traveling. Vi- no, sorry, not a traveling. Maybe it's just a, a holiday visa. But even that takes a while to like just fill out the fav- paperwork. I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, Elnor has quite uh, an unexpected hidden talent of going through uh, immigration paperwork in no time. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as though there's a powerful demon helping her out. <laughs> Yeah, but I uh, yeah, um, I I thought it was interesting too the the Australian airport and plane. It's it's always I don't know. I feel like uh, you never you you very rarely see real Australian things in American shows. You usually only see the bush crocodile and crocodile okay, Dundee side of Australia. Yeah. Not the there are actually people and cars and stuff part of Australia. And planes. Yeah, we have cities and lives yeah. and normal people things. Yeah, and they're not, they're, they're even people. And not all of them trying to kill you <laughs> sometimes. And they the don't people? all have uh, horrendous accents like, um, what's his name's mate with the red boots? <laughs> Cheaty's mate. That's one, yeah. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Proving a point here, are you? <laughs> um, yeah, but I think, like... Season one was definitely something I really enjoyed. I think season two was also really good, but I think it felt more like a traditional comedy, I guess. I mean, it's still not, it's not always funny and they do have a plot, but I think overall it felt like you could sort of see where they were going a bit more and they followed through with that. Uh, but I, I still really enjoyed it. I love that you get to see a bit more of like, the behind the scene scenes work that um that Michael was doing and you get to see a bit more of like the evil the demon part and also in the end of season 2 you get to see the the actual judge uh, who they thought was a burrito um <laughs> and you get to see sort of that part That of was a pretty funny scene yeah <laughs> it, it was it was pretty good um and it makes sense like you don't know what the judge looks like you don't know what like a a demon looks like it could, may as well be a burrito and i think it was pretty good mm. I think the writers had very much fun with that. Um, just trying to like pick a pick a food. I can imagine picking a food item that symbolizes a judge would be quite a funny job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you don't know what these demons are like, hey? Yeah. But in general, they kind of play with that idea, right? Usually, people say it's really hard to to talk about the afterlife because everyone has different opinions on that. But they are just leaning. 100% into that and just saying, well, we made our own afterlife. And it's sometimes like there are people of all genders and all different positions and it's just uh, made up what they thought. Yeah. And it's also teasing humans a little bit like, huh, these people think we're stupid enough to have a burrito as our <laughs> judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you also see like the it's it's funny with the different, the different people that fills different roles. So... Um, if you look at season one, you see Michael starting to architect his first, his first neighborhood. And his boss is this like 15 year old kid. And I think mm. that's quite funny that they have this like dynamic that it doesn't matter like what body someone is in or how old someone is. Like they are really just like having people who are good at certain things and people who are good at other things. And, uh, I think that's good. And like I said, like they have different gen- people with different genders doing different roles. And I think, yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like they have much, um, like, they don't really build on stereotypes that much. They are quite open with who does what. Mm. Did you already talk about uh, Sean casting? No, no, I didn't. Then, um, for example, Sean, they wrote a character for Sean um, before they had uh, a person in mind. So, they uh, Sean is a gender-neutral name. 
So they wanted to use the gender-neutral name because they wouldn't know what, what the judge would look like. So they wrote a character and then they found whoever is a, the best representation for that character. And uh, I think that kind of is, is an important thing of they're, they're, they're going for for the idea of, of the judge rather than for a specific type of what yeah. people expect someone to look like that would have that role. Yeah, I think that was quite fun for... It was even broader for uh, Janet or the actor of Janet. So they had no idea at all what Janet was. They were both sure that they didn't want it to be too much like a, uh, like a phone assistant. They wanted it to be like a visual thing. They didn't want it to be like a robot-like character. But they were... Like, Not a robot. They had no idea how old this person would be, so they, <laughs> yeah, I think they they casted people between the age of nine and the age of ninety. Like there were so many people. Oh, and- a nine-year-old Janet would have been great. She's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like kid running around doing all the chores and yeah. stuff. No, but I just think it's funny that they were so open to this and like imagine the work it would have been to just try to cast that when you had no idea what you were looking for. Uh, but then the person who got it ended up being being a great fit. And the good thing is that this person has to act so many different roles because in the beginning the actor of Janet or J- Janet is trying to figure out her identity. She starts out as this as this assistant and. Then and Michael is trying to loosen her up so she becomes more flirty and then she becomes like really rude and later on the same character is also acting uh, the bad Janet so like the or, or when she's fighting for her life and she's acting yeah. super dramatical please don't kill me please don't kill me yeah I have a family uh, yeah it's it's but I I think my favorite Janet moment is after reboot when Janet is just bringing uh, uh, cacti, yeah, just c- oh, cacti yeah, for everything. <laughs> it's like, <sighs> is it a cactus again? Nope, it's the file. <laughs> Are you sure you're not gonna hand me another cactus? And like, no, I'm hundred percent sure yeah. this is the file. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, give it to me. Uh, it's just a picture of cacti. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is such a good. Oh man, I I I love that scene when <laughs> more. And also, every time you see Michael's office, even if you didn't actually see him get, getting more cacti, every time the scene is the, the show's playing somewhere else, next time you see Michael's office, there, there are more of them standing around, and it's just adding to it. Every time we see the office again, it's just full of cacti. It's so good. Oh man, I love that show. But, but I, yeah, Darcy, this... the actor for Janet, is also doing just an amazing job. Because it's a weird role, right? It's like a, I guess, Google Assistant, Siri uh, type yeah. person. That I think is... when they casted her, like, they didn't want to give her the actual script because they didn't want to spoil anything and they didn't want to set it too much. Like, they didn't want to set her expectations on what exactly her role would be. So I think she was supposed to be like... A phone seller or like a tele, like a assistant answering a telephone or something. And it was this like assistant sort of role, but not at all what she ends up being. And I think it was great because she wasn't settled on being a computer. And I think that was quite good. But even there, it was funny with no torture to, to small. Janet never, whenever anyone called Janet, she always showed up on the side they didn't expect her to show up. So her, when the when the person saying Janet looks left, she would always pop up on the right side, um, and always kind of then surprised him a bit because she would always show up on on the on the opposite side of what it, what's expected. Except for Michael, for Michael she would usually show up on the right side, but then for bad Janet, ah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, but for bad Janet, when Michael's calling the 
bad Janet, then she is showing up on the wrong side for him and he is surprised where she shows up. So those kind of details, even those are so... I mean, you notice them more the second time you watch them, but they're so enjoyable because you're, you're just looking for all the tortures and you see so many extra small things that just make everything slightly more annoying. <laughs> even even like the frozen yogurt shop itself, right? The menu is full of items. It's so many items that even if you're not cheaty, it's hard for you to pick one. Yeah, just like standing there trying to read all of them. Like it was such a small text. Like I would never be able to see it. It was so... Yeah, frustrating. But it's like, on the surface, it sounds like a great idea, right? Brings us back to tech. It sounds like when you buy a computer and you have uh, a thousand options for what GPU, what CPU, what RAM, what display size, what display resolution. Sounds like a good idea in theory, but it's a lot of effort to then actually pick the right thing. And yes, that's a, it's a very real problem of having too much choice. And I yeah. know, obviously, it's it's like dramatized in, in this show with... The, the character of Chidi, but like, and he can't make really simple decisions like how to wear. <laughs> but still, like, the whole idea of sort of trying to narrow choices and not have a million different options and that being easier is actually like a valid point. And it's like the whole, you know, thing about wearing very similar clothes each day because that's one less decision you have to make each morning. Yeah. Uh, and it can be, it can be beneficial, I think. Yeah. But it it just sounds right on the on the surface. It sounds like a great idea to have a place where you can get any flavory frozen yogurt mm-hmm. you could imagine, and all of them have flavors that are not actually describing the thing. You know, they're like yeah, a fully yeah. charged it's battery. Like but- tears of sadness <laughs> and the happiness you feel when you win a football game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like that. that that while it still sounds kind of positive it makes it even harder to decide right if you're if you're after food and you have to decide between the the feeling of a fully charged battery and something that is just strawberry it's it's making it even harder because you can't even conceptualize what those two flavors might be like (laughs) yeah it's a really good low-key torture tool yeah but it's 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 so good it's so many details like that i really appreciate so do you think you you will watch season three yeah, but my understanding is that's still going. Is that right? That is still going. That's right. Next episode, the sixth of no- uh, December. Sixth of December. I think they are available. I know they have a two-week thing now. But I think they oh. are, th- some of them should still be available on NBC to watch online. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not not, sure not for Australians. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I'll watch season three. I might wait a little bit to start it if there's still a few more episodes to to come out so that I can potentially binge watch it again. Maybe I'll finish Black Mirror in the middle. Um, (laughs) No torture too little. (laughs) Yep. But overall, uh, three thumbs, three thumbs, I can't speak. Overall, three, man, (laughs) wait, why is it so hard? Three. Three thumbs up. Okay. Overall, three. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is how the show ends. Overall, three thumbs up.